You can't be serious about the schedule of battles. I can, and I am. He's only had his army for three and a half weeks. I told you. We did computer simulations on probable results, and here's what the computer estimated Ender would do. We, we want to teach him, not give him a nervous breakdown. The computer knows him better than we do. The computer's not famous for its mercy. If you wanted to be merciful, you should have gone to a monastery. Wait, you mean this isn't a monastery? <laughs> this is best for Ender 2. We're bringing him to his full potential. I thought we'd give him two years as commander. We usually give them a battle every two weeks, starting after three months. This is a little extreme. Do we have two years to spare? <sighs> I know. I just... I have this picture of Ender a year from now, completely useless. Worn out because he was pushed further than he or any living person could go. We told the computer that our highest priority was having the subject remain useful after the training program. Well, as long as he remains useful... Look, Colonel Graf, you're the one who made me prepare this over my protests, if you will remember. I know. I know. You're right. I shouldn't burden you with my conscience. But my eagerness to sacrifice little children in order to save mankind is wearing thin. Pole March has been to see the hegemon. It seems Russian intelligence is concerned that some of the active citizens on the net are already figuring how America <laughs> ought to use the IF to destroy the Warsaw Pact as soon as the buggers are destroyed. Seems premature. It seems insane. Free speech is one thing, but to jeopardize the league over nationalistic rivalries? And it's for people like that, short-sighted, suicidal people, that we're pushing Ender to the edge of human endurance? I think you underestimate Ender. But I fear I also underestimate the stupidity of the rest of mankind. Are we absolutely sure we ought to win this war? Sir, those words sound like treason. It was black humor. It wasn't funny. When it comes to the buggers, nothing- I know nothing is funny, I know. Come on, let's give him the battle. Adjustments to a dilithium crystal chamber complete. Pre-recorded in a second floor guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents... Don't just let me! Hello, all you fans of preteen bloggers who set the course of society guised as long dead elder statesmen. This is the Dungeons and Dweebs podcast, episode 16, Ender's Game, part 2. I'm your host, Bob. It's nice to know that if you alone are responsible for the extinction of an entire alien race, you can atone for it by waxing lyrical at funerals and taking care of a moth pupa in a baby Bjorn. Giant ribcage tickler the 11th. But I'm not alone, across the table from me, in the moment when he truly understands his enemy, understands him well enough to defeat him, that in that very moment, he finds a deep empathic connection based solely on thinly alluded to hymenopterotica. It's Luke. 
<laughs> I'm an Opterotica good call there. <laughs> woof. Uh, woof. <laughs> I can't talk. You just, you do, you do something to me, I'm Bob. I'm sorry. I just, I just, it's the heat outside. I, I declare. I do declare. It is warm. Let's kick this off. The part, let's kick this off. Part two of Ender's Game. We're going to finish this off. To my left, they say five mini lion bots come together to form one giant Volklob. It's Club. <laughs> Good morrow, my lovelies. Summer is coming, and I, for one, cannot wait to journey to my own private lake, kick back in the boat with my fishing pole in one hand, a cold summer brew in the other, the baseball game quietly on the radio in the background, and the day's fresh, fresh catch in the well. Uncle Klob's been cooped up for too long. But unlike our friend Ender, I sure hope the vixen I find sunny herself when I return to the dock is not my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Across the table from me, he misunderstood the term flash suit. He painted a salamander on his chest and has been outside naked, burning ants with a magnifying glass, yelling, die, bugger, die. My God. The Scott to my K. Paul, how are you this evening? I'm doing really good. Those ants, they're dead. I got rid of all of them. We are free. We are free at last. <laughs> Great. Can you put some pants on? No. <laughs> that's, that's not happening. Not in this sweaty room. I'm... It is at least scoot closer to the table. Yeah, please do. But I like leaning back. It, it airs everything out for you guys. But then your voice goes way back, and everything <laughs> else that is you gets closer to us. <laughs> oh wait, is that your desk? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that took a minute. That was a slow burn, apparently. <laughs> well, we're here already on part two. Uh, of Ender's Game, and the last time around, uh, I feel like our table was really all over the map with its opinions on things. I thought we had a really good discussion with uh, all of us kind of really liking some things, having a lot of questions about other things. It was a very nuanced table, I thought. Last very, time. Yeah, very well balanced, a little bit, uh, a little bit of love. Um, we haven't quite got A little bit of questioning. A lot, lot of questioning, a little questions. bit of confusion, yeah. a little <laughs> bit of wanting to know why we picked, the, why Orson Scott Card picked the ages he picked, right. what what was going on there, what exactly is going on in the battle room, <laughs> um, all of these other things. Uh, but who doesn't love a good game of ice laser tag? Yeah, free, oh, freeze, yeah. Freeze tag? Freeze tag. Freeze tag. Love it. It's essentially freeze tag, but with lasers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 Well, it's hot in here, and I think we should really kick things off immediately, and you know what? I, I know it's got to be my turn. I think I've just been letting you guys buy the rounds for a while. Anyway, hey, why don't we head over there? I got the first round. Hey, sweetheart, give me something light and citrusy. Light. We don't serve there. Do you have any blue milk? What am I supposed to find in it? Oh my goodness. It's bigger on the inside. I want to go to Kashi Station and pick up some power converters. Okay, okay, it's not a detonator, it's just a jammy dodger. What would it be, boys? Tavor talk. All right, well, we're back. Got some limes and the coconuts. I don't know what that means, um, but I'm going to drink it all up. I, I usually just take it literally. <laughs> but Luke, how was your nerd three days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has been a literal week. And you know what? I've done nothing except edit episode 15 <laughs> and start reading A Darker Shade of Magic. So, oh, hey, yeah, i got to get on that. Have ooh, fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> hey, you know what? Coming up, no, we'll get, we'll get to that book. Yeah. Do, do we have feedback or something? Because I'm kind of flabbergasted. Actually, yeah, we've got a, a lot of feedback. I'll think um, yeah, so this last uh, episode sparked a lot of response. Um, I had ended up uh, putting out a question. You asked for it. Yeah, exactly. 
put out a question. One of the things that had come up in our last roundtable discussion was about the battle room. The battle room plays kind of a prominent place in mm -hmm. this book. And one of the questions I think I had brought up, and then we kind of spun around, I think you had the same ideas, Luke, too, about the battle room. As well. So what is this about? Yeah, okay. we really didn't know. You know, I, you know, aside from the obvious of the building, you know, who is going to be our leader and sort of building those connections there. Like, but why does it have to be um, shooting between your legs and freezing each other? Right, right. So I think um, uh, what's brought up a lot and uh, is that this, this book can be used as an example of leadership training and what mm -hmm. makes a good leader and all of those kind of things, team building. Um, but when for me, it was when you pull back, uh, so they're locking arms, shooting at each other, freezing each other's legs, but they're training to fight an alien race. What does what do those two things even yeah. have in common? A big thing is made about the which direction is down. And so I kind of threw out this question onto Facebook, posted it to multiple sites saying, you know, in Ender's Game, what does the battle room teach the cadets? Um, and so we got lots of responses, almost all of them, had something to do with leadership, mm -hmm. you know, and things yeah. like that. So I'll, I'll, I'm not going to go into all of them, uh, but kind of typical was something like what Anthony said on Facebook. Uh, it's learning tactics and split-second sec thinking in three-dimensional environments. And Nick also echoes him and says, tactics, strategy, teamwork, endurance, personal bravery, and leadership skills. Um, but we had some other really... Uh, Maybe some outside-the-box uh, thoughts. Milan said, exactly what I thought when reading the book. The answers, answers are, number one, to turn spaceships in space using long wires. Two, to expect the playground to be finite. And three, <laughs> as, as somebody already mentioned, the enemy's gate is down. Although it doesn't mean a thing if you have multiple targets or objectives. I feel like there's it? a hint of sarcasm. There's a little bit of sarcasm. Just a hint. There. I, I, Just I, a hint. I like. You know, I'm right on board with them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does. I mean, like, I, definitely with this, there is a point to it, but I just feel like constantly having the same objective is like you're not doing any service to these kids. Right. And so a big part also is made out of the enemy's gate is down. And that's kind of made as kind of, and I think we're still going to be talking about that even yep. in this one, yeah. um, that that Ender strikes upon training his own cadets or those under him mm -hmm. as as soon as you get into the battle room, you Im immediately orientate yourself by saying their gate is down. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was something in the book that I thought was a great idea and it showed a lot of leadership, but I didn't really know what the purpose of it was. You know, and I like Antonio Luis Santana uh, on Facebook says the enemy gate is down was to give the cadets a sense of orientation because in space there is no up, down, left or right. And so I kind of like that idea that uh, unlike everybody else coming through the door on the other side who are disoriented and they're just kind of seeing things in a different way, his team is, you know, you know, unless they're, they're all ready, one, they're ready to go. They're um, ready to go. They're all seeing things in the same orientation. Unless you're in a spaceship that has a gyroscope, you know. I but you know, I'm not <laughs> one to poke holes in things. <laughs> well, and what what is really down when you're in no when you're in no gravity? Down is towards the center of whatever planet you're on. 
It could be, yes. Right. If you're lucky enough to be around a planet. Yes. Otherwise, um, down. Really? Otherwise, in a vacuum, down is nowhere. I like something that Shannon brought up on Facebook, too, here, about um, as pressure is increased, strategies, following instructions, conflict resolutions, and a learned social hierarchy, and that things aren't fair, and what to do when things aren't right. fair. Because when, mm-hmm. when you play a game, the rules are supposed to be fair. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And actually, shout out to friend of the show, Shannon. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Uh, hello, Shannon. Shannon. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, you know, really, I, I'm just going to bring it back to them constantly having the same objective. I mean, sure, they, they throw different things at Ender, and we're going to talk about that. Right. But... It's constantly, it's the same thing. Like, right. I, I don't... But, but when you look at a space battle, in general, you have a... Especially the battles that are going to be coming mm-hmm. up, the objective is the same. Wipe out the enemy force. Right. Maybe in, sometimes. In most, in most of these battles, that is what the objective is. On these battles coming up, that is what it is, but we can talk about that later. I really like what Bert says. He says, battle school is not so much a school as it is a filter. A fine comb meant for the staff to find the next Mazer Rackham that will lead humanity to definitive victory. For the kids, it's all a game. For the staff, it is an elaborate test. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I like the idea that this is a filter. That yeah. they're fine. And you had actually said that, Paul, in yeah. a way. Last said that it was a filter that they were looking for. So who... Who would go to command? Who would go to fleet? Who would go to support yeah, right. school? Who's going to be infantry? Who's going to be command? Right. Yeah. Who's going to be... You know, are, are you the who, guy that charges in with the, without a thought? You're right. going to go for the grunt. All right. You are the grunt. You are, you'll do great. Yep. But, are you an yeah. awesome pilot? But do you need to be told what to do? Yeah, right, right. absolutely. And I think with every story, and again, because we're a podcast who reviews literature, we like to kind of question everything oh, and yeah. say, okay, so why are they yeah. doing this? Why? And and so for me, why I like to bring up about that, there's what's happening in the book, at which I find really cool. I do like everything that, a lot of the things that happen in this battle room. I think it's a neat set piece. It's something that evokes a lot of cool imagery in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's relatable. I like it. There's... A kind of a, I hate to say with science fiction, a realistic side of me that goes, okay, if society was fighting against, mm. you know, an alien race. Well, and that's not something weird to, like, you shouldn't feel bad, because, like, right. half of science fiction is science. Yeah, true. So it, it, there's got to be some ground. Right. So to me, you're going, okay, if we're pulling these kids at six years old mm-hmm. and we're starting this training process, you would immediately, if this is a filter to find out who's good at command and who is not, uh, to me, what they'd really be doing is throwing them into flight sims. They would be yeah. flying in formation against buggers, uh, and they would see who commands this fleet well, who doesn't command this fleet well, because then you'd be doing both things. You'd be fine combing them for the command structure. You would also be, from the age of six, teaching them how to fly. Mm-hmm. So that they would be these little six-year-old, uh, you know, uh, savants at Except, flying. Well, I don't... <laughs> Sorry, I don't think that Battle School was meant to find the pilots. I think it was meant to find the person <coughs> who tells the pilots where to go. Each little ah. ship, if you're in flight school, you might not be that pilot, or if you're in that fleet command, you might not be that pilot, but you might be that guy that is in charge of your crew of people uh, right. controlling the spaceship, saying, okay, this little group, we're going here. And that that's in what I see in my mind, because... Usually, the pilot of a sh- of a modern day ship is a very low ranking person. 
is the the person that's running I believe this is this was my understanding actually we might have to look it up <laughs> <laughs> right this was what my friend in the Navy Academy said that the person who is actually at controls of the ship right. is low ranking he just is ordered by the person who's yeah in the guy control. driving the drone yeah is yeah. ordered by the guy standing next to him that right, has all right. the stuff on exactly. his chest exactly right. he's the guy with all the stuff on the right. chest I I think it kind of goes to maybe in Ender's game and it'll maybe come up as we go to the end of this book. Uh, the command structure and the fighting structure that is being used in this war is not fleshed out at all. Well, you know, I, I'm not, like, I like your interpretation, and maybe a lot of that is coming from the bean stuff that you've read and everything else. Too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not getting any sense as to how do these guys fight war. When they go to the buggers, you get that sense of there's fighting ships, there's some larger ships, they've got this secret weapon we'll talk about. But I'm not getting any structure here. So that, what you just said, which makes a lot of sense, was not coming through to me yeah, in this novel. I think the only thing that I got out of that was, and where I got that from, was when, later on in the in the book, when Graf takes over a tug. He literally mm. just tells the tug operator, a guy that just sits on a tug his entire life, his entire life, you're going here now. Congratulations. You now know this location. You're stuck there. Right. He was a very low-ranking person, but he was just ordered to go somewhere. And I think, too, if you look at the structure of the battle room and you look at... I think it makes more sense once you get to the end of the book because you have this idea that our officers, that Graf, have at least some idea of what to expect when they get to the bugger home planet. Right. Because mm -hmm. the whole idea of the battle room is you have all these things and you need to get... You need to get your one special thing to go through the yeah. hole. Yeah, exactly. And so that's Phrasing. and that's well, <laughs> and so that's and that's it. But that's it. theoretically exactly what happens at the end. Exactly. You have to get your ball through the hole, just like you have to get the one dude through the right. opening at the in the battle room. Which maybe we'll get to. Did, so we shouldn't maybe talk about it now. But we are, we are do you, yeah, yeah, yeah do, keep, do you think the command structure knew it? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Um, and again, I think we should bring up too that um, we're calling everything into question. This does not mean that we're like hating on the book or anything like that. I, I feel like you know you got to question. I mean, I don't think everything. anybody will assume that I'm hating on the book. I think, but I think people, that. as we've kind of seen sometimes, people have very uh, you know high opinions of mm -hmm. books, which is good. You know, and very close feelings and yeah. everything like that. And uh, just because we're going to question and spin around things, uh, we're just questioning everything. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we like or dislike and, it. And it says something for Carton. It says something for his writing. It says something for the staying power of this book yeah, exactly. that we want to have this discussion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, let's not burn all of our tokens on this video game <laughs> right here. And let's, uh, let's get into the actual final stage of this this book. All right, well, let's yeah. wet our whistles. I got this one, boys. Hey, honey, come over here. Grab us another couple drinks. <sighs> Do I need one? I'm sweating yeah. already. You know Tashi Station? I'm a leaf on the wind. It's a freaking fight for me. I'm a leaf on the wind. Waiting around for that Skywalker kid to come pick up the power for boys. We got downloads into the system. Sorry. Pull up a chair, friend. All right. So we're all settled in. Got the feedback out of our system. Right on. Why don't we... Uh, Bob, where the heck are we in this book? <laughs> uh, we've made it to chapter nine. Chapter nine. Uh, and Luke, so you listened to the audio book, and it was a leap of faith. Locke, I knew. The name of the chapter is Locke and Demosthenes. Demosthenes, that is correct. Oh, nice. 
Um, yeah, so we're jumping into this, and it, we're switching points of view, um, yeah. and we're moving on to uh, Val and Peter. Yeah, no, this this is the first time he does a switch. Am I correct on this? I believe. I feel this is the first time that anyway. It's it's just so blatantly the entire chapter mm-hmm. is is Valentine yeah. and Peter, the the brother and sister. <laughs> I I had said in the last podcast I really liked the home dynamic between the three siblings when they were at home. Mm-hmm. Thought it was kind of creepy a little omen uh, yes. and, and so I I wasn't unhappy to return to these two characters to see what they have been doing so what have they been doing and see I was <laughs> I, I, I will say that I the no, Valentine yeah. and the Peter chapters for me were just bleh. Right. and I'm going to stand by the fact that I am that I state that that original draft that he did in order to create an entire book he just pasted things onto the story on the outside the edge crap out of it. Uh, and I don't defend it, if you will, listeners. But uh, I think it this works for me. Well, but I, I, of course, it, it, it does. definitely feels pasted on. Of course, it, 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 it is feels so pasted, pasted on, on, and I like it because of later on when I'm reading through the Bean series, yeah. it's all mm-hmm. about that, uh, Peter and Bean right. and that relationship. And Bob, I think you like it because we go into this vast political conspiracy, it's and true. you're the conspiracy yeah. guy. Yeah, I do. I do. I like. I do but like this, this, this chapter, it, it, the pacing of this book is just right. this throws it off completely. But, exactly. And, and I feel, and I, I don't want to like Orson Scott Card. I, I have no idea how he ended up writing this book, but I, I do feel like there's part of me that goes, you know what? The contract came up, and he's like, hey, I, yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can pad out this. Oh book. yeah, I can totally do that. I, I can totally do this. Oh crap, I can't do this. Yeah, humans, <laughs> humans are humans, and yes. he, he, he pasted on stuff on that outside edge. It either works for you, it doesn't work for you. Like you said, he fixed it probably. Then in future books, we yeah. we're, lo- we're looking at it. These first two books are very small. They get bigger and bigger as you go along. The bean stuff is a, a good hundred pages longer. He then was able to take the time to develop the world that he really doesn't have, I don't think, developed here. I would agree. I would agree with that. And it, that is why it's important to me, though, is those right. other series. And and I feel a lot of fans of this will really like this. Yeah. And uh, But I, I can see it. I don't need to have everything explained to me either. There's a little bit of just the... There's enough... You know nuggets that are dribbled here that I, I'm I'm with it. I can go with it. I know it's it's added on, but I I, I like this part. So we start off with Valentine here. She ha, we find out that the family's moved. Right. You know, like has just moved. Ender has no idea about this, but it, the family has moved to North Carolina, which I'm not sure, but I believe that's where he card moved to. I think that's where when he got kind yeah. of some money, he yeah. moved to I, North I, Carolina. I you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do we know where they were originally? Uh, uh, that I don't. Not know. Greensboro. Yeah, not, not, Green, not to Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes, <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, she goes into the woods, celebrates his eighth birthday by lighting a random fire. Yeah, <laughs> and Ender's birthday. And Ender's birthday. And, Ender's birthday. and, and you know, birthday. okay, Ty is thinking about all those wonderful squirrels that Peter, you know, skills alive. Right. Uh, it, it's a weird. They're weird right. kids. Right. And I think we, he still tries to go with this setting up that Valentine has a real connection to Ender. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so you, he's still trying to create that connection. That boy, she, she has been missing him, and kind of holds a torch for him, even though they've heard nothing from him in these intervening years. Yeah, she, yeah. she's that uh, sibling or something where if you were lost from them for ten years, she would still come back to you and talk about, oh, still love you all that. Well, and this is where stuff. we find out even more of the fact that Peter's a sociopath yeah. and he's been putting on the good face for everybody for a while but he really needs to do something more than torture squirrels in the woods and so he get, enlists Valentine to help him 
make up identities so they can influence world politics, yeah. which is what I was thinking of in elementary school. So Valentine, Absolutely. Valentine at this point is twelve, and and Peter is is he fourteen somewhere in there? Yeah, uh, I think it'd be... she is ten. She is ten. Yeah, Peter, you're twelve. I'm ten. So yeah, it's oh, yeah. Wow. Val is ten. Peter's twelve. Right. So yeah, ten. My, and... my fifth graders are definitely talking about world politics. <laughs> so, so ten and twelve. Unprovoked talking yeah. about yeah. world politics. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter says that he knows that this new Warsaw Pact is going to prepare for war. So he wants to. He sets this big plan into motion where he's going to use his intellect uh, to try to manipulate world opinion, right? And he's got this elaborate plan where they're going to take on roles, mm-hmm. right? He is going to be known as Locke. Yep. Valentine will be known as Demosthenes, which are which are two, you know, John Locke, um, which is kind of a famous Enlightenment thinker, and Demosthenes, uh, which is an ancient Greek statesman and orator. You know, I do want to I want to pause and talk about this a little bit because the. When this book was written, when was this published specifically? It was, I believe it was 85, 85 is when it first came out. I mean, that was before I was born. The internet was, I don't know, not too much. Right. You know, not going around too much. This talks about the importance of the internet with yep, the and, population. And, and the importance of popular media. Yeah, and the yes. importance of popular media. It talks about how the internet will be influencing everybody and random yeah. people that are anonymous. Mm-hmm. Versus back then, where there wasn't that anonymous. Yeah, and you're, you're you're nailing it right on the head. And I think I said this in, the, in our last episode that most of the sci-fi holds up. Right. Yeah. I, I almost feel it's uncanny when you get done reading about this. You you immediately are thinking Facebook and how social media is sure. is is in everybody's life. And you do, like you said, Paul, have to remember. Wait, no, this is 1985. Yeah. None of this exists, and yeah. Card is foreseeing this. I, I, I find it actually uh, pretty amazing mm. how spot on this feels. You have to co- continually rem- a modern. It would be lost on a modern audience how I think forward thinking this is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they've just they've had all this. Yeah, right. Yeah, they are they influenced just, already yeah. by this. Yeah, they yeah. just accept all this. Um, I like the fact that Peter is a little bit more fleshed out here. Um, mm-hmm. He has patience. I will be. You know, he makes statements about you know. I'll be in control because that's my personality or I'll die trying. Right. Right. I, I don't. I, I found this entire chapter absurd. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to be just... I just let it go with one. Yeah. It, oh, I, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I, um, yeah. I. Yeah, sure, they're smart, but n- no... No. Right. And in fact, I want to, yeah, I want to spin around this. And even, even if we bring this, we can bring this to modern day and the uh, alleged uh, Russian uh, meddling in our own election here, right. that's not just two people. That was teams. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I think there is a gimme that needs to be given to the book if you want to go with it. And that is believing that not only Ender is this incredible savant from a family, but I mean, and we are prepped for it that mm-hmm. all three of these kids are far above average and so much so that the government has allowed them to have a third. Um, but that all three of them, this is like the Kennedy family. Yeah. <laughs> like they yeah. all have the ability <laughs> to have incredible influence on world politics. Again, are you, are, you at, say, are you saying Peter is Ted because he kills things in the woods? <laughs> Chappaquiddick, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I agree with you, Luke. The ten and twelve year old thing. This is again something that is just I have to either go with or not, and I just I literally put it out of my mind. But the fact that they influence all of world uh, opinion, mm-hmm. it almost 
the book hinges on becoming ridiculous uh, in some points. You either go with it or you mm-hmm. don't. And I, I probably could have dismissed it if like this chapter didn't absolutely ruin the pacing of the book. Right. So not only, okay, pacing's ruined and it's absurd. Why? Right. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like you shouldn't have had... Um, here's what I think. I mean, Valentine and Peter doing this almost has no bearing on anything in the plot. It's no. like an, an interesting aside, but why do See, this? I uh, think I, I, I was actually just looking through this and thinking it's simple because if he didn't do something like this, he would have had to find some reason to just skip ahead. He was. This was right. his add-in to allow him oh, to go from... Oh. I found this interesting, though. I when, almost, I was, when I was reading through it, I didn't care what age they were. I rarely pay attention to that. It's like when I'm reading a book, it's whatever personality and whatever they have. In my mind, okay, they were kids, right. but whatever. I almost was, feel like you should go more with that, like, Peter, because maybe he's psychopathic, and that he is jealous and hates his brother, is in some way enters the system and is trying to tear his brother down. And Valentine is trying to stop it. Yeah, and yeah. it kind of all culminates at the end where he's fighting the buggers, and, and in some way Peter is almost ready to either, you know, get him e- ejected from the mm-hmm. program, or yeah. something is going to happen that seems more real world, but having this kind of preposterous side story of them, and he even becomes... President or whatever. Yeah, whatever the heck that thing is. We'll talk <laughs> about that. We we'll, ta- we'll talk Hedgemon. about that when we get there. But no, well, I, and I agree with you, Bob. And I had had this been more related to Ender. Yeah. Um, the only way this relates to Ender is as we keep going here, um, we find out that Ender's miserable at school. So Graf shows up to try to get Valentine to write a letter. Val- right. And Valentine's initial thought is, "Oh, I'm busted." Yeah. He's yeah. here for me. Oh, I. That's yeah. the only way this they, ever relates. They to Ender. know I'm Demosthenes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Um. But we kind of find out... Uh, I like that even their father falls for it. Like, they're sitting around the table, and their father is talking about how much he likes Demosthenes. Because we should say, Valentine is Demosthenes, but doesn't agree with Demosthenes' politics. They're, yeah, they went she with is, opposites. Yeah, she is just the foil for her brother. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, I, which, again, this plays into my and, whole thought that... And Locke is, Locke is the moderate, the moderate controller, the one who, do, who says we shouldn't be going to extremes and everything else. Yeah. And it's written by Peter, who's... You know, writing it in squirrel blood on his iPad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, they're both playing opposites, which I think is is pretty cool. And I, did you guys get the feeling to, uh, to, when we get even to other chapters of this that Valentine might start half buying into what she's writing or is affecting her in some way? I or? think it's definitely affecting her. I think the influence would affect anybody, though. If you right. all of a sudden are getting a bunch of influence... And, and you have to be in the mind of a character yeah, you are not yeah, again yeah, and again and again. Absolutely. Oh, no, I just, I just turned my audio book to 2x to get through these chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a problem. Just slow down. So Graf shows oh, up. Oh, no, no. I gave it a real good chance. I'm like, no, okay, no. that's it. Uh, Graf shows up, asks Valentine to write a letter. Valentine tells him no. Eventually, he just kind of forces her to write a letter. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Your brother's sad. <laughs> write him a letter. Make him happy. Right. Right. Letter, letter to the... Battlefront, and then and then, yeah, then then Ender gets the letter, and then like he doesn't really believe it, but then I, I it's it's all really weird. It all goes me. back to the mind game because he's stuck in the mind game; he can't get past the one that point. Is, that, and... that is true, I mean, and really, I feel like this could have. I mean, as as little as I like the fantasy world, I like the fantasy world more than I like talking about Val and Peter doing this thing. Yeah, so right. maybe this really? could just, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, 
maybe it could have just been more about like Ender's psychology and him in that mind game instead of all of this. I, I feel it's fine to do the whole Valentine. He needs a connection to his previous life or, or home. I think that's one of the weird, I think... That was that, one of the whole points why they took him away and yeah, they yeah, won't yeah, let yeah, them they, have them. Right. Well, and they do it with a lot of trepidation. They don't, they're mm-hmm. very worried about whether or not they should allow Valentine in. It's kind mm-hmm. of through a, a, a lot of hemming and hawing that they even allow her to have contact. But I feel this is kind of the problem that we're setting up sometimes is that we want Ender to be an everyman that we can relate to in some ways by trying to give him a, a, a childhood that we can relate to. He's bullied as a kid, he went to a school. I mean, I was thinking back to our previous podcast when we were saying kind of that these guys aren't kids and it's drilled to us that they aren't kids. But at the same time, he's trying to have, I feel Card's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Like, you know, like they're not kids. Unless but you're trying. Con- unless it's but you're trying to tell writing. us they're kids. Like yeah. you're trying to give them the normal home upbringing. They've mm-hmm. had a family structure. You're even trying to play back to it. Like kid who's gone off to war, you know, needs to reconnect with the family structure. But yet you're trying to say at the same time, but they're not kids. They've been like little tiny adults. Like something from that '80s horror movie, Happy Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't have you can't have it both ways. Yeah, you yeah. got to pick one side or the other here. Is, right. it, um, is it really them being kids, or is it just having a mental breakdown? Or anybody can have that as an adult. You can have that as well. Yeah, it's not just being a kid having that you're having a problem. It's anybody can have that problem. Well, they're, they're oh not, yeah, they're not, they're not just adults though. They're yeah, anybody the in most isolation. Brilliant, Any, the most yeah, brilliant but, people in the world. Right, but right. anybody in isolation can break. Oh, definitely. No, and, and I don't. I'm not against Ender breaking down because I feel he should have even a long time ago. Absolutely. Before this, I, with all that he's going through, and I actually agree with the idea of you break Ender and have him need to reconnect with his family. Uh, maybe the trouble is is that his family isn't so, written so atypically. Mm-hmm. I want him to reconnect almost to a regular family. You know, okay. this is what you're fighting for, yeah. Ender, uh, not for your weird squirrel bl- blood brother. And quasi-sexual relationship with your sister. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, we'll get we're that. getting there. But yet, we go, he gets the letter, he goes back in the mind game, he's been having problems with this snake in the mind game, looking in a mirror, seeing Peter. Right. This time after he gets the letter, he goes back in the mind game. I still don't understand the mind game. I don't. Because I don't understand how it changes here. Because here's he what I do don't understand differently, and the snake turns into his sister. So here's what I missed the last time, and we didn't or talk about it. And and so did I miss something? Because we kind of made fun of the mind game, and I even dropped a line of like, "So why would anybody play this?" But then I was thinking about it. So yeah, why would anybody play this game? Are they instructed to play this as a way of analyzing I, their inner psyche? No. Because from what they're going through, why would anybody plug in and play this game? It sounds like torture. It's just something different to do. It's, I mean, it's, you know, instead of constant. It's one of those where you will always be wanting to do something that isn't quite work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's giving them that release. So they don't have Tetris, Pac-Man, or Fortnite? No. No, sadly they don't. But they are not... Time-stamped that to 2018. And And I talked about this last podcast, too, on how I was trying to play the old Dark Souls and I'm just like yeah this is dumb I can't and now I'm yeah. just, that's exactly how I would have felt in this game right. and so I'm projecting on I know I was projecting on the Ender here the same idea and it it's weird it's weird because they're family members. Can you imagine playing a video game and all of a sudden like your brother's head goes bobbing by? But that's what I'm saying. Why would you keep plugging in and playing yeah. this game? Yeah, because I don't have a brother. 
kidding. I know what you're going for. I've been, um, I've been dipping my avatar in acid, and then I yeah. jumped into and some it, dude's eye. What? What is going on yeah, here? Yeah, it's true. All right. I'd keep playing that game. So are we jumping to chapter 10 here, Dragon, where we get we finally get in Graf and Anderson at the beginning. We learn that it all worked. Ender has been content and happy since receiving uh, this letter from his sister. Well, so. has he been happy or more just... He's actually been working. Yeah, he's listening now. Yeah, he's well, he's doing yeah. his thing. Yeah, he's. Right. He, I think he's making the effort to put that on the outside. He's he's wear he's making the effort to wear that mask. Yeah, right. and wearing the mask wearing the mask of okay, they're gonna go bug my sister again, and I'm gonna get weird. I'm gonna keep getting these horse crap letters. Yeah. So I'll put on a happy face for the teachers. <laughs> Right. I'll do my job, yeah. I'll do what I'm supposed to do, and eventually if you lie to yourself enough, you at least will start believing a little bit of the lie. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But he is put in command of a Dragon Army. Ah, uh, Dragon Army. The so one, tell us about one, Dragon Army. I feel like... The, one of I'm, the two armies with a cool name. It does have a cool name. I, really, you know, I'm coming around to Salamander, because after what Cloud said last time, oh. Sal, that's very cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I really like that. You got Condor and you got Dragon, the rest are just... <laughs> you don't like Phoenix? Oh, Phoenix, I forgot about yeah, the Rad. Cool. Yeah, there's three cool armies. Yeah, there's a couple cool armies. <laughs> the, rat, the Rat Army just sounds like the army of the poor kids that go in the infantry. <laughs> yeah, that The Street or... Rat Army. <laughs> yes, it, exactly. It's the Street Rat Army. You guys are going to be the ones to go figure out that minefield. We're going to fly over. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Cue that song from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, new challenges are going to be set up for Ender. Uh, Graf and Anderson now want to bring it to the next level. Yeah, right? they, they want to up Ender's game a little bit. They put him in charge yeah. of... That's the name of the book. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, I did that, <laughs> did that one by accident. Yep. But, I, but I think this is where their way of testing Ender, right? He's gotten comfortable with a bunch of kids that he's been able to train as his own, you know, in his own way. And again, everything's thrown out the door. He gets all these small kids, none of them who he's trained. Yeah, uh, which and, was strategic. Well, right? Or I, at least, okay. I like it. I do like to say this, the quick little backstory we get, because Ender asks him, well, how come I've never heard of Dragon Army? Ah, we discontinued that name a bunch of years ago because they sucked. <laughs> they sucked so yeah. hard. Well, why are you <laughs> reinstating it? Well, we had extra uniforms. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does sound exactly like something the military would do. Yeah, it, it does. Is. All yeah. right, well, extra stuff here. Well, yeah. Well, if we don't use these uniforms, we're not going to get them next right. year. Yeah. But I do like that they're constantly trying to kind of break Ender. Yeah, they're I mean, always... They are kind of trying to create, uh, you know, see how far they can push him. Will, will he break? They're always upping the game, and I'm going to bring in some information that I got from the later books that uh, Card wrote uh, with the Bean series. Right. I know a little bit of the backstory of Dragon Army, and... Okay. The rejects and and the uh, launchies, the people that were just fresh out of armies, mm -hmm. uh, they were all people that one specific student said, hey, your training schedules suck. What you guys are doing is terrible. It's not going to bring out actual good commanders. It's just going to get people that follow orders that you tell them to do to go here, I'll do it. Okay. And so he, that one student might have hacked into the teacher and the student Wi-Fi access, whatever it was, right. and uh, created an army for, originally, for Ender. He was asked by the teachers when they found out that he broke in to create an army for Ender. And oh. he chose everybody, and he put himself in it. The character was Bean. Okay. Bean is that uh, is a genetically modified human. He's tinier than everybody because he doesn't stop growing. That's interesting. So yeah. if you want the kind of the backstory and all the command structure and what's going on in this school, oh, it, the Bean series doesn't is, stop growing, or no, he does not stop growing. That's what will kill him. 
he will constantly keep growing. So how, oh. big, how big does he get before he dies? Uh, at one point, he's in a spaceship because then he can be weightless. He's just like Kareem oh, wow. so, like, Abdul-Jabbar slammed into a cockpit. Yeah, Bean, Bean is Bean just <laughs> Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> it, it's one of those where following Bean's story was very interesting for me as well, and that helped nice. me get more into the Dragon Army and what was going on behind the scenes for a lot of the Ender's Game book. It's funny, the the few people that I have talked to that are Ender's Game fans, mm-hmm. uh, almost immediately they talk about Ender's Game and in the same breath, almost immediately throw out, you need to read the Bean series. Yeah, I don't know, and I'm just jumping out on a, on a limb, it feels like maybe a pretty good world was created here in this book and Bean is where people should go. I would agree. Because I've got okay. stuff to say about Speaker Hon- of the Dead when we get yeah. to the end of this book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I would agree. I don't know that I would recommend going on in the to Oh, in, in this in the quintet. In this quintet. Yeah, okay. we'll get well, to it. And we get the classic story trope here too of the commander, you know, uh Ender has become commander here, and the little guy smarts off to him a little bit, so he starts picking on the little guy, and he does the exact same thing that was done to him when he was the little guy, and then he realizes it, but he realizes the psychology of it. So I did actually like that little give and take right there, right right when we first meet Bean. And the fact that Ender gets a little humanity here, too, because all of a sudden, it's not just, oh, poor me, it's, you know, what am I doing here? He actually does feel bad that he's... is doing the same thing to Bean that was done with him, done to right. him, and right. so he does become a little bit more human rather than just this uh, wonderful child robot blowing up ships or <laughs> right. you know freezing other students, mm-hmm. freezing other students, and yes, breaking arms and killing people in bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> that hasn't happened yeah. yet. Yes, yeah. yet. Yeah, does um, we do find out that Ender is no longer able to train at night like he'd been doing mm-hmm. with Ali yes. and Petra. Um, I do like a lot a lot of kind of the pathos, I guess, that happens here where he kind of, he's all saddened that there's this wall that's been built between them. Mm-hmm. And I like the imagery of how, but he still feels roots can grow underneath that wall. And, and I, I, Orson Scott Card has some really nice flourishes here with his writing in some parts here that I think really stand up. I would agree. And doesn't, I don't remember if it's in this part or other parts where they go back or where he was talking about that wall that was already forming right. between them, where they were talking about how Ali and Shen were laughing about something, and then he walked up and mm-hmm. he came over and it shut it down. Right. But not out of a, like, oh, crap, we can't talk about it in front of him. It was like, oh, we respect right. you. We have to be quiet. And there's we part- have to be... There's part of this that I feel is kind of, it's still speaking to the fact that they're so young. Because you know how, like, you can be the closest of friends, maybe, say, in grade school, and then all of a sudden your best friend is put into some other class. You don't see them. Mm-hmm. And, and if you had no way of seeing each other on the other side. There is this weird thing that happens when you're young. It feels like you see them, and even though as an adult maybe only a month or two has gone by, for a kid it feels like eternity has gone by. Yeah. And this wall is built between you. Yeah. Well, and you I think know? there's something to be said, too, that when... When you become the boss or a boss, you right. have a different dynamic with the other people that oh, were sure. there. For oh sure. yes, and all you know, you can't be the boss or the commander, and be one of the friends. Be one of the friends. Well, and that and I, was that was a flaw that Ender was pointing out about Rose, about right. uh, 
Rose Denos. Yeah, Rose Denos. Because Rose Denos was too close. Yeah, he, right. he, too close. <laughs> Rose Denos too close. He was hanging out with his troops. He wanted to be their friend, not right. their commander. And I think this is why this book is held up a lot of times as you know for command or for you know the real world. If you're looking at how to be a great leader, one of the things that great leaders do is they are not friends with those who are under them. Well, and I think that um, too is why I believe it's the I believe it's the air. Air Force that this is on the mandatory read list for. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I didn't it know is. It was. Yes, it yeah. is. It was was or the Marines. It's one of the branches. Yeah. yeah, one of the branches. This is mandatory reading. Really? Yes. Yes. Huh. And that doesn't that. mean that you Wolf. can't be friendly. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly. That you means are you can't leading. be a cohesive. That means you're it, you're still part of the group. Right. It just means that you can't. In order to lead effectively, you can't be one of. The regulars. You, you can't. Right. You, the commander is the commander. You may be an infantry commander. You're all part of the infantry, but you're not one of your straight privates. Right. Exactly. Which which is what makes this position so lonely. Right. Like you, you can't go out and just drink with everybody as the commander. Yeah. You know. Um. I I really. And like it, it, this this is like it, it is one of the better parts of the book here. This, yes. This whole explanation. Uh, the way that he begins to run Dragon Army. Mm-hmm. Is great. Um. And then what we, we jump into eleven. Eleven. And well, first of all, that that's you know where we get our. That's okay. It's our just, intro. It's my timer. Um, that that's where we got our in. We jump into eleven, and that's where we got our intro from. Um, Graf and Anderson talking um, about how unfair they might be treating Ender, but yeah. it's for the greater good. And then we al- we also which by the way we should say uh, Ven Vidi Vici I I. I, I came, I saw, I conquered. Yes. That's yes. what that means. So we move here to Ender's first battle. Rabbit Army versus Dragon Army. Fight! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Fight. And as as we would think, just going by the mas- the mascots here, Dragon <laughs> Army completely demolishes the Rabbit Army. Right. Oh, just yeah. completely, you know, like Peter with the squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Rips them apart. Oh God! <laughs> Skins them, rips them, rips them apart, and then writes wonderful poetry in their blood. Yeah, right. And we get this big dump too on his training techniques that he mm-hmm. breaks down the squads uh, to eight and then to four, uh, mm-hmm. so that they're like these little uh, maneuverable units. Again, I get this kind of Navy SEAL aspect well, to Ender's team. And I like how Ender here is using. He's using his tune leaders. He's not just commanding his tune leaders. Right. And that's one of the reasons why he begins winning everything. Yeah. Is he actually puts some trust in his tune leaders, right. which no other commander is doing. Right, yeah. yeah. He's like, okay, so I'm uh, like, I'm going to train you, but I trust in your abilities. He, so you're almost a mini commander of your little squad of four. Yeah. Or, and squad of eight. Give them broad orders and let them... Decide right. specifically what you're going to do versus that one person that has to go all around the map. It's I'm going to go with this tune. The other four tunes, you yeah. know what your objective is? Do it. So he's not. Figure out how to do it. He's not lording over. He's not micromanaging. Yeah. You know, again, I can see why this is being used as, you know, uh, a guide, a field guide, if you will, to, you know, command 101. Yeah, you it's, know you know, figure out how to. Tell them what the objective is. Commanding and one. one. Which I have never looked into the backstory. Was Card in the military at no. all? No. No, he was not. His brother, I believe, was. It was okay. in the introduction of the book 
where he talks about how he was not in the military, but he had family in the military. Because that's, that's quite the achievement to write a book on military command structure and then be used as a training manual for one of the branches of the armed Definitely. service. Yeah. Or, or recommended reading. <laughs> and I like how real his tune leaders feel here. Car yes. does a great job, especially with the names. His yes. tune leaders, Crazy Tom, Fly Molo, and Hot Soup. Yeah. <laughs> You, um, Bob, did you, that uh, magic card from a while back, hot soup, did that come into your mind at all? Because that was all I was thinking. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. I was actually, soup. I was thinking of like Predator, like if that, when the chopper flies in and they're all going to take the Predator, this is what they should all be named. Yeah. Hot soup, <laughs> fly mode. Yes. And I, I, hot soup's Asian, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes. I all I keep think, all I kept thinking about every time they bring it up was, you know, you know that the, the millennial girls and the, I have the Chinese symbol for peace on my shoulder. No, you don't. That's the Chinese symbol for hot soup. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, really, if you want more information about these tune leaders, guess what books I'm going to recommend you reading? Uh, the, the Bean, Bean series. series. <laughs> yes, because once again, all of these move into that area, right? And you get to know them. That's how I know hot soups from China. Okay. 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 Well, then here, because in my notes, here's where I'd like to ask you then. Yep. In the Bean series, yep. um, do, as you're building through a lot of this, do we find out a lot more about the buggers or the war or anything kind of leading up to this? Uh, not really. A little okay. bit. You you find out more. Honestly, in the Bean series, Battle School isn't as important as what happened to Bean before right. Battle School okay. and uh, during like the final battles and things. Bean has figured all pretty much everything that takes Ender the entire time to figure out, Bean figured it out. Before he knew that they were they were the ones assaulting the right. bugger worlds way before anybody told him. He he figured that out uh, when somebody made a slip and talked about the device that let him talk faster than light travel or faster than light communication. He mm -hmm. he figured that out and was like, oh well, then that means we're invading them. That means all these battles are real. Well, we're invading them. Okay, right. And mm -hmm. and not like every book has to follow the same formula. But if there's one thing that I'm really feeling the the lack of here is really any stakes. We are being asked mm -hmm. to kind of. Uh, go on more of a internal journey with Ender as he's learning to be a commander, but that's not really balanced out with any stakes from the buggers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. we've gone through most of... By chapter 11, I have in my notes that I'm really missing any kind of threat from the buggers. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, sure. not, they're not fleshed out. Mm -hmm. I'm being asked to go with Ender on this huge training where I'm trying, kind of being asked to think, like, he's humanity's only hope. God, I'm really rooting for him to try to get to the top. I feel like this would have been more effective if I would have really felt like the buggers were burning down the gates and they needed to get Ender trained and in time. See, this is where here, too, in this chapter, we go into, after he wins a couple battles here, mm -hmm. uh, Ender starts studying the old, you know, real footage of the, mm -hmm. uh, the bugger invasions. And he comes to realize, and this is where I got, all of a sudden I started to predict what was going to happen at the end here, <laughs> because of the fact that even Ender makes the notes about, these are all the same battles. Right. Mm -hmm. all, of, all of the propaganda that's gone on in the last 80 years... Most of the shots are from the first invasion. There's very few yeah, shots first that or second. could yeah. or could not be second invasion. Right. All the second invasion shots, the buggers are already dead. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So we're here in chapter 11. What did and you think? Is, what did actually... you think when you got to this part? Because I know what I thought, but I am tainted by the fact that I had seen the movie, didn't remember anything about it, but I, I told uh, Paul, we had sat down, and, and I said, he's, he asked me, had you seen the movie? I said, yeah. I said, I don't remember, but I know that there's some sort of deception involved and that the aliens are not really what they seem. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could remember. So I went into this book knowing that. And right here, I felt it was screaming at me at this point that, that the buggers were not what they seemed and that this was big. But what did you guys think? Did you have, did you know that? Had you seen the book? No, no, or? I knew, I knew absolutely zero about this book. The only thing I was going to bring up is I feel, I felt a little bit of a deja vu here. I feel like we were here about a year ago <laughs> when we were reading Dragon's Bottom Twilight. Really? Um, about how, how so? About how the, there's, these characters are just doing things <laughs> and we know there's a threat. But we don't know the threat. Yeah. Right. Oh, exactly. Yes. It, it was. It was very. Where is remin- Lord Verminard? It was very reminiscent of that. <laughs> yeah. The only thing the movie got correct: Lord Verminard showing up early. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What a call! Shout out. <laughs> well, callback. I think they do have books about the first and second invasion. Oh, so if Jimmy you want to, nah, I, yeah. I honestly I have not read those, so but I, I can't say anything about them. But again, I saw the. I started to see here the political machination, the yeah. different things that the the evil adults were doing yeah. here, right? Just from Ender's observations, and I do, and, think I, and I jumped on that right away. And again, I hate to keep referencing Starship Troopers, but Starship <laughs> Troopers is based. On I don't. This. I don't think you should hate. Doing and that. so it. It, it is that idea of the propaganda is really propaganda. Right. Mm-hmm. right. It's not. I mean, we have uh, Ender's in the army. Ender's a command, studying to be a commander in the army. He's got basically a high level of security clearance at this point, yet he can't find anything from, I want to say Maz Kanata, but that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> Mazer Rackham. From Mazer That's funny. From Mazer Rackham's battle, except Mazer Rackham's ship, and then a bunch of dead. And then a bunch of dead yeah. bugs. Yeah, it shows yeah. the first shot. That's It talks about how it shows the first shot Right. And then just a bunch of Marines invading already dead ships. Yeah, and so by this point, why don't we have that? Why hasn't Ender been able to see that? Right. And I see, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm asking those questions right. at this point. And I feel like when this, in the era that this was written, I'm, again, I'm going to go back to Vietnam, that that is the tropes that he is playing with, is that what the struggle you are meant to feel is that it's uh, us or, or, or them, the soldier, versus the hierarchy struggle. And that you see that, the bigger evil is being perpetrated by the command structure and not the actual en- enemy. See, and that's a good point because I keep forgetting when this was written. Right. I mean, his first draft is is really only coming five years after the yeah. Vietnam War was over. I didn't read the backstory. I don't know if his brother served in I Vietnam. Think so. I think so. Uh, or something like that. But I feel like that's what he's kind of saying is, and this is why I had thought he was uh, a real hippie when I first read this, is that he's making a statement about how... Um, the military command is really who betrays the soldiers and manipulates them. Exactly. And that really you shouldn't see the Viet Cong as the bad guys. You know, that they are misunderstood if there would have just been communication. Which is, you know, I mean, that is a very kind of uh, juvenile way to look at the Vietnam War in many ways. Uh, but I felt that's what he was going okay. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have we have a little head-to-head here from Ender and Anderson. Anderson and Graf try to talk to Ender. Ender is just like, give me a real battle. 
fine, you have a battle in 10 minutes. And like, <laughs> his, and so he's running down to the battle room with naked soldiers. Like, and I love, I did like the way Gacard wrote this scene because I felt you could really see all the kids running down the hallway trying to put their uniforms on yeah. and get the helmet <laughs> right, on. Right, 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 right. Almost felt like hearing that, that tune, I, I don't remember what tune it is, but a lot of the shows do when they're doing something comedy is they're running around. Oh, the Benny Hill thing. Yes, thank you. Okay, I was not getting that at all. I didn't quite go that far. No, it's your description that just had that image going through my head. When I was reading this, no, but that description you were giving me. So the dragons beat a ferret, now they need to beat a salamander. Um... So yeah, so but they get there. By the time that Ender gets there with his with his band of merry men, and yeah. <laughs> um, gets set up, the doors have been opened. Salamander army's been in there for like five, ten minutes, right. already in position. Mm-hmm. Yet yeah. Ender goes in and just walks all over Salamander. Right, army. and he's worried because Bonzo is in Bonzo. the lead, right? Bonzo, mm-hmm. yeah, and he feels that because he cleaned up so fast that. Bonzo's gonna be mm-hmm. well. That's because he also slighted him. Because there was supposed yeah, to, right. there, he didn't do the handshake at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. was, he released his army and walked away. There yeah. was no normal protocol. It was just basically a screw you to the command, and then mm-hmm. without you know originally realizing at, right at that moment that he was also pissed. And, the, the, and this, this is the one where the doors are open and they can't see anybody in the room. It's because Bonzo's army is surrounding their door. Right. Yep. So what they do is they like bring out like a leash of people and then Bean cleans up because he's like got his arms underneath somebody. Well this is this is where this, this is was, the human shield. Yeah, yeah. this was yeah, when yeah, he made human. a shield. This was when he, it was okay our ships aren't adequate. Well here, we're going to make a new one. Yeah, and this is these are the and, moments I'm living for in this part of the book oh, here. And yeah, a great yeah. scene is you just see you see p- people riding other people. Yeah. As little like personal right. as little personal people jet skis which, which I had in my Which by the way, there is a wonderful gif from the movie about this that just replays over and over again. I'll have to post it to Facebook. With really? them all just yeah. riding it down shooting. It's it's really funny. When okay. seen looped, okay. it's it's hilarious. And so after this we have, you know, Bonzo's mad, Anderson's a little ticked off that they haven't done the handshake at the end. Mm. Um, Bean comes to Ender and is like, "Mate, Make, make me a tone leader. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, he did all that before. Well, no, he does it again. Be, does yeah. he? I don't remember yes, that. Because this is where he does it again, and and this is where we split into the the tune within the tune. Yeah, oh, that, okay. because yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Ender has kind of a plan. He he knows that the game is rigged against him. He yeah, knows yeah. that the s- structure is working against him, and so he decides to make Bean. Yeah. This Beast, kind of, he's screwing you guys. I don't need your tune. I need your tune within the tune. Well, yeah, he decides to make Bean like the head of uh, Ender's dragon seals. Yeah, he becomes this. You like, like the Biodome reference? With, you, yes. <laughs> when you say it, it makes it all seem so preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing the Biodome thing. Oh, man. Tune within the a tune. tune. Uh, so, yeah, so Bean is set up here. Hey, go out there. I'm going to pick pick five other guys that you want. Everybody will stay within their own tunes until I split you off into, you know, the special super secret seal tune. Yeah, until right. you need to do something weird, you do it. And that also, I think, shows Bean's innovation, his ability to think outside the box. I think you, you're meant to feel that Bean is, in some ways, almost the equal of Ender. He is. You know, uh, it, it, does he end up being? Oh, he he is the backup to Ender. Okay. So there, there was a backup, and it was Bean. So he's Bean. the backup plan. Yeah, he is the, okay. oh, crap, you know. And the hierarchy really. knows it. Yeah, the hierarchy knows it, and they've kind of followed nice. through with it. And there is a moment where Bean could have taken Ender's control on that last battle. He, Bean had the button in front of him saying, you are now in control. Ender's totally cracked. You're so before control. Ender destroys 
the bugger planet. Yeah, it was on Bean that Bean could have done it instead. Well, Bean could have taken over control of that it, entire battle. Okay, if, I gotta. Ask, I have questions Ender, when we get there. About yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if Ender, Ender cracks, Bean's got a button. Okay. Well, I get that brings up questions. Interesting. Let's yeah. go to chapter twelve, though. Bonzo, chapter been, the chapter I've been talking about for the entire <laughs> podcast. So what, I still what is the fallout, Clob? What is the fallout of having Bonzo. having defeated Bonzo? Well, the fallout ends up being the fact that Ender ends up in the showers by himself, mm-hmm. and then Bonzo and a bunch of his boys come in to beat up naked Ender. This is brutal. Yeah, you know. It is brutal, and so Bonzo Bonzo comes in. Um, we quickly realize that nobody else is really a threat except Bonzo because Ender sets it up that well. If you if you were really that tough, if you were really in, if you were really that much better than me, you could take me by yourself. And so great idea here because he eliminates the other guys that are in the room right away. He, right. he did because the same thing he did to that other to the five year old in the beginning. Yes, to Ellison. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he does the same thing. However, we get this weird naked children shower fight. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this in some ways is needed because you need to show the fallibility of Ender. I'm gonna say in the third book, Pierce Brown, you use this to also show the fallibility in a shower scene where they get beat up Ooh. Uh, b- by uh, where um. Uh, what's his name? Darrow gets beat up uh, yeah. as well. Um, and by the way, for those of you who are with us on the Red Rising thing, we'll be bringing that up again in just the next chapter. Um, <laughs> but this is held up as one of the favorite books of Pierce Brown. Didn't okay. know it when we started this, uh, but it's one of his favorites. Uh, so, so I might I have think... to read Red Rising now. Okay, I'm kidding. I have not. I have not you read never it. read it when I have did not this? read any of the Red Rising ones. Oh, he doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't read the books. I don't know. What why kind he's of on the friend show. is he? <laughs> I download the podcast. I just don't like hearing just my to voice give us constantly over hits? and over again. So Ender convinces Bonzo to strip naked and fight him naked in the shower in the soapy <laughs> shower because that way they'll. And Ender's head. I believe there's comments in here too where Ender in Ender's head he's going. Well, now we'll both be slippery. Right. You know, and this <laughs> and this, this again though goes to the fact that when they are six and eight and whatever, just even reading this book, it's only two hundred some pages long. Boy, was I getting a lot of just. We said it in the last podcast, but there was just so much weird. Nudity is just hanging around with six and eight year olds that I feel is when you envision platoon, it's appropriate. You got a lot of 18 to 21 year old guys vying for power in a platoon yeah. over yeah, a number. That's the age where you should be measuring, not Exa- nine. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just think about it, people who are fans of this book and everything else. I mean, you have a lot of six and eight year olds just standing around naked in a shower, kicking the crap out of each other in yeah. a soap. Yep. And he, he so so Bonzo. It's a little. So it's unsettling. It's a little weird and unsettling. It, and how does it, it, it? It is weird. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Ender Ender knocks Bonzo out by kicking him in the crotch. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how hard do you have to be kicked in the crotch? I, 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 we've all fallen on bikes. We've all hit the stairwell. We've. All I gone, have been kicked. We've all been kicked by you know fourth possibly. grade. Oh. <laughs> Aaron N. <laughs> is that a male Aaron or a female uh, 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 It was a male playing four square, gets ticked, kicks me as hard as he can right between four. the four. Holy cow. Four square. Four what square. a call. How, how much do you, how, you obviously remember that pretty well. I remember it being an explosion of fire. That's all <laughs> I remember. Um, <laughs> but he knocks it, he, as far as Ender knows at this point, he knocks him out through a kick to the crotch and then and then Dinkrush, Dinkrush, or excuse me, um, 
and then D- he and Dink walk out the door. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, he, 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 it's the same as the fight before. He's killed him, and he just continues to brutalize him, even right. though he's already down. He's gonna continue. But we again, but, we have that we have that empathy after they're out of the absolutely. fight. Exactly. What I what I like here is, and it's setting up. If there's a good thing, Carr does is he keeps setting up this ender again, ends it, goes too far, yep, and then feels remorseful afterwards. And that's gonna come back at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. That he'll take things way too far and then have remorse about it. And by the way, tonight we have a, we have a fight where he's going to go up against two armies, which is another unheard of thing. Right. This is starting to feel very gladiator. We're just going to keep throwing him into the ring. What's yeah. next? Are you not entertained? <laughs> I feel he's yeah. using that trope in some ways where it's it's a futuristic version of gladiator. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you not entertained? Yeah, I, had, I now uh, know this is a game. He had, you know. he had he had beat Badger Army before he fought Bonzo, um, right. and then yeah, what he go, he's going up against Tiger and Griffin armies right. at the same time. Yeah, um, you don't like Griffin either. You don't like like a Griffin. Uh, yeah, army? I forgot about I forgot about Griffin. Tiger. I mean, they're all they're yeah, all tiger. Griffins and Tigers are I was cool. Say, see, yeah, I mean, no, Griffins like... and Tigers. Oh my. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, so everything that's going on here, everything that's happening, we have Graf is like moving positions in his command. Oh, he got fired. And, he he got he got. Fired. There is no moving in command. You you just had a kid killed. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna but get fired. We don't know yet. Well, we find right? out at the end of that this chapter. he's he's killed. Right at the end of the chapter, we find out. Yeah. Um. But Ender wins uh, this fight, right? And he says it's over. He will not play the game anymore. This is feeling reminiscent to me of something. Oh, I've it's seen, okay. I it's okay. Know. You're gonna graduate. I mean, is there a movie something that I've seen where this is what happens? Where he's like, I am like he drops the sword and he's like, I'm just not gonna play this game anymore. It feel it, this felt very familiar, like it's been uh, I don't know stolen in some other movie or something. Yeah, like else. it's Spartacus or Spartacus something like something. that. Yeah, yeah, right. Where he's, I'm just not gonna play anymore. I know that this is a game. I will not play by your yeah. rules anymore. And I do like how when they bring him back to Earth here after this, after he says he's not gonna play the game right. because he's been graduated on to the next school, and he's like, I don't want to go to the next school. Yeah, they move him up, and so they move him up, but they bring him back to Earth, and I, I do really enjoy Card's explanations here of how. Earth doesn't feel right to Ender. Right. He doesn't yeah. like the sun. He doesn't like after the feel being, of gravity. After being in this space station for the last many years, that's and and if you talk and if you look at interviews and you read interviews um, from different astronauts and cosmonauts and uh, different nationalities and stuff that have been on the space station for a long time. Right. Um, even now, they say a lot of them say the same thing. And there's some of those guys who really push to go back because they were in that that environment so long that the big openness right. and the and the real gravity of the earth is just right. wrong and to them. For Ender, he was in a bowl. Everything, you were always walking up. Right. Mm-hmm. And on Earth, you're not always walking up. You're always walking down, right. basically. Unless, and, I, you know, and I feel what's brilliant unless is unless you're this, walking up. This well, is hills, but... I feel that this is working on two levels where there's like the physical reality of coming back down to Earth. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a metaphorical reality that's happening here where Ender is coming back just like soldiers would come back from war. They have left and everything was home. And then after being isolated and seeing the horrors of war, although Ender's just been training, mm-hmm. so this is not the horrors of war, yeah. but he comes back and home is not home anymore. Correct. You come back, you left a boy, you come back a man, nothing is familiar anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel there's a kind of a metaphorical thing happening. And you have well. your, and by all means, even from training here and even from everything that's been going on, the, the boy has PTSD. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's 
he he killed a kid. He's gonna be affected. But, but at he the same know time, that. I he doesn't know that. I don't know yet. whether it's warranted yet because, like, for us, we feel like we've been through all these trainings and everything else. But at the same time, it is kind of glorified laser tag. I don't know that we can stand no, ex- necessarily exactly exactly. I, he he doesn't know that he's killed anybody. He's yeah. just been training for a long time which right. would be traumatic to a child but right. he's only a child when it's convenient for the author I think there's I think there's a problem going on with the author knowing where this is going trying to create the it's, pathos yeah. of an adult who's fought in Vietnam but yet you've you've centered it on children playing laser tag See, in a I, space mm-hmm. in a space arena I don't, it, it doesn't have that same weight I don't, I don't think. think he's traumatized by the laser tag He's not. He's it's from the isolation. He's right? from the isolation and what he has had to do. He might not know that he has killed somebody, but when you kick somebody so hard that they pretty much passed out and you have blood covering you and you had to shower to get rid of all of the blood, you generally know something's probably not right. You might right. not have killed him, but you did some serious damage, and that is still in your brain going through. True, it. true. You might not. Uh, he might not understand. But that I he, feel like that's the only thing that happens that's that traumatic. Up until this at point... At Battle School. The, yeah, at yes. ba- Battle School just feels like a really intense summer camp that you probably would never want to go back to again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's not enough to, like, you know, come back from summer camp going, like, man, that... Oh. <laughs> Life-changing, man. horrible... Uh, man, I can't wait. You, you guys should come with me to Battle Camp next summer. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I had to kick this one kid's butt, though, but, hey... It's okay. Yeah, I kicked his butt in the showers. It's okay. Um, I, I'd go to battle camp. I mean, uh, <laughs> if, if, I could go, cool. if I could go play in the battle room, absolutely. Hey, just remember, uh, the door's down. Yeah, um, I got that down, yeah. And there, there's a little bit of talking between some other commanders or something. General Pace. Yeah. Head of the um, military police. But whatever. The basics is that we learned that he yeah, killed. He yeah, killed. Yeah, we get the reveal yeah. at the end of the chapter. So we're here. on to chapter 13. Uh, back to Valentine. Uh, oh, dun, good. Dun, dun, our, <laughs> opening, our opening Muppets, uh, Statler and Waldorf, are discussing Demosthenes and Locke again. So back to your, ba- back to your favorite stuff. I, uh, I liked it. I loved it. I hated yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> they know that Ender's brother and sister are Demosthenes and Locke. So. And we're going to do nothing. Um, they haven't really done anything yet. I'm going to call it out right here. Uh, oh, Pier- yeah, here Pierce is. Brown, uh, Ender's brother, who is a psychopath, is referred to as a jackal. Right? Not, not the Not jackal, the jackal. But a but jackal. But a jackal. And man, there is a lot going on about the sister duo of Mustang and the jackal from Red Rising. Again, if you weren't there with us. You're like, what are you talking about? But uh, Red Rising, I'm telling you, Mustang and the Jackal are a play or an homage, I guess. Yeah, to yeah I, homage. An to, homage. To yeah. Valentine. And I'm not, I'm not knocking uh, Pierce for it. I think it's great. I, I, I think he does it in a different way, in a fantastic way. In a, I dare say, a much what's, better uh, way. What's, what? what's Mustang's real name? It was uh, a Virginia. 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 Yeah, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Virginia Valentine. Okay. I. I was. I, I know. I knew there was yeah. a Victra. I remember Victra. Virginity. One love. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. It's all kind of the. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I, I'm, anyway. I'm gonna say Pierce. Pierce Brown though did. Uh, you know, he's alluding to it, but I would say he took what was his favorite book and probably did those characters maybe and you better. Know, and, and yeah. I mean, you know, definitely calling you out, but definitely I'm okay with it. You know. It, it, yeah. It, it I'm was not condescending to him for doing it. I think it's just, just an homage. It's just an homage. Yeah, exactly. Life's like if I wrote a book, I'd probably uh, have yeah. a Luke Skywalker. Val, Val, <laughs> Val and Peter are still taking over the world, I guess, somehow. I don't know. 
Boy, um, you really love this stuff, yeah, don't you? Really, you? you really like this. I, but I'm with you, Luke. I didn't like this stuff either. At this point, it's starting to get, for me, kind of preposterous. It's, it's, yeah, it's I just don't preposterous care. Preposterous, pace-breaking stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I, just, as, just as like, oh, he graduated, he's going on to bigger, better things. <laughs> Like, right, I'm yeah. stuck in the mud. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Once again, I'm enjoying this. I think it's a transition for me, and it's just a transition in general. And once again, they're talking about how the internet and how other things have can cause how, influence before it's even there. Right now, I, yeah. right now, I think, Luke, your problem with this is that it's this could actually happen. That, no, no, not not no, that no, 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 no not no, that no, not no, that no. somebody not that one one or two kids could actually influence. I'm yeah. saying that. A group of people, a government, something like that could come in and actually influence how all of the people think because of... That is what I said earlier, yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's it's one of those where what you just... Or your problem with it is that it's two kids. But That's see, your I, only problem. I feel like you're going... The, the fact that it's just it's, it's two people. And two of the smartest adults couldn't do this. Uh, and, and I feel like... An, and I, and I, get I away with it. Well, I guess, I guess they're... They're getting away with it. The, right. the government knows. Well, I, the military knows. The governments of the right. world don't right. know. You know, for, I don't know. Far be it from me to try to come up with other plot lines or better plot lines than what freaking Orson Scott Card came up with. <laughs> uh, you know, but to me, again, it, again, I go back to it, it's not working because it's three people from the same family, which, again, I get it. So don't tell me, listeners. I get it that they're, they're genetically superior or whatever it, they're different from everybody else but i feel that in and of itself just on some primal level doesn't work well in storytelling that you have one family of all incredible people that that also there's because it's not just being you know, smart there's yeah. kind of a chance element to this that what they are saying is is being received by everybody i feel it would be working better if the big bad is the government or the military hierarchy who is keeping it from everybody that the buggers are actually a benign race that want to make peace or leave us alone. Maybe Valentine is very rapidly using her smart intellectual ability on the interwebs to find out the truth, but is not, and where there's, there's this you know race what? against you know time. I even, I even, I got a better, like if you have one family of incredible people, it only works if it's a CGI movie and they're named the Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I feel there was better uses for Valentine and Peter. Like, I love their family dynamic, and I hate the way it's being executed. I don't like that they are becoming glorified talking heads. Like, one is becoming Rush Limbaugh, and the other one <laughs> is becoming uh, Sean Hannity. And they're, they're like... They're both of the same side. Yeah, they're yeah. both of the same. It's Anderson Cooper and Anderson, Sean Hannity. Anderson oh, Cooper and Sean Hannity. There you go. And, and they are manipulating society, and one's going to become the Highland. <laughs> Sorry, that's... The Hegemon. The Hegemon. hegemon. Uh, like, like... All of this is not making a lot of good narrative sense to me. I mean, it's, I don't know. For me, this is not working, a lot of this. Once again, I just take it as part of, when I think of Peter and Valentine, I stopped paying attention to the fact that they were people and just sort of went with their group, whatever. Right. I don't know. It's just how my brain works where it was, right. okay, could this actually happen? Yeah, a group could influence right. a large population. It yeah. could easily happen. Oh, for sure. Facebook I, could influence whatever you want. I, and I definitely agree. The plausibility of this happening, uh, yes, as far as the influence yeah. of social media. And uh, I agree that one one or two people definitely could not do that. Not, not a lot. not get caught. I mean, I, I, props to him for calling all of this. 
Yeah. But also, like, no, like, you can't, I mean, like, what did they, they had to get, like, papers or something from their father in order to even get on the internet? Like, right. yeah. And again, I think we're getting, running into this weird thing that's coming up. Maybe I missed something, but the the hierarchy now knows who they are. Yeah. But is letting it just happen. So you're telling me the military structure oh, is just... Also, another question mark. Yeah, yeah. So the military hierarchy is going to allow him to rise to power through his manipulation. I mean, maybe maybe I'll, I'll give him that, like, oh, hey, we gotta kill the buggers. Like, imagine... So just whatever, whatever. we'll deal with I that I mean, later. but imagine that the 12-year-old down the street the government finds out is manipulating world politics. Okay, when you put it like that. Yeah, I mean, come on! Just, just I think, bust I think in there, <laughs> smack their computer, and call it an A. Okay. It wouldn't matter if he's but, even working the way that... They would very quickly pull him in and make him part of the inner circle, even if they absolutely. wanted to work that, with that him. That is what would happen. Yeah. However, I do see, again, the different parts of the government working without the knowledge of each other. You know, it's the different heads of the... It's right. the different heads of the Hydra going. And so, yes... The military guys know who they are. It right. doesn't necessarily mean the current hegemon or whatever Digimon happens to be running. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, because every time I said hegemon, I immediately thought oh Pokemon, Digimon, something. <laughs> Knows what's going on. Right. And so the military guys are looking at this, and that's the whole idea of why we're pu pumping out all this propaganda for the bugger war. Why they're, go why they're actually going after the buggers is because Russia all of it, I get the feeling here, too, that Russia and their buddies no longer believe that what's right. going on and are going to be actively working to start war again on Earth. Right. So that's what the talking heads right. are dealing with. Right. Or that's not what the talking heads are dealing with. And the military, the guys who are really pulling the switches, they're the ones who are going to, hey, here's a tool we can use well, to shut Russia down but, over here. That actually, that, that was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, that was something that had gone through my head, that maybe the buggers were just a... Facade to, I to facilitate world yep. peace. I, I, I agree. Yes, I agree. Yes. But uh, but I, I would still go back to though if the Pentagon knows that a twelve year old down the street is manipulating all world politics, they would very quickly. They don't have to tell Trump about it, okay? <laughs> but they would very quickly be escorting said twelve year old to the interior of the Pentagon and using him then against the Russians or whatever. Like you would use this person. You wouldn't just let old Locke and Demosthenes yeah. kind of tool around, floating on rafts and lakes, manipulating all world I, politics without any oversight. I do want to say one thing. The and then allow one of them to rise to power. Like, like one of them becomes... The, and so how does that happen? There is one thing, too. <laughs> the pole march, uh, you uh -huh. hear a little bit, he's Russian. Mm -hmm. it's, it seems like, uh, in, from what I got from this book, I did begin to understand more of it later on, was right. pole march and the hegemon were essentially two sides that kind of came together to fight the buggers. So... Okay. The pole march knew what was going on in the bugger war. They knew that they were attacking. So Russia knew, and that's why they were building up. Right. It, was, it, it was one of those where they knew in advance that we're about to win. What and I what I what I feel is we have very interesting pieces of a quilt that are not stitched together, yes. and it requires these other books to stitch this thing together. To make once you've read the entire pantheon that of, you don't need to do the entire just being but a lot of it then it makes sense yes and I, and I think what you're saying here bob too is that a certain movie from 1983 with matthew broderick hacking in and the pentagon then go getting him would be a lot more realistic <laughs> yes are you talking uh, war games i'm talking <laughs> war games i haven't watched war games in forever it, it, it holds up it's oh, a really great it really it's, a fun, actually ever it's a fun it's a fun Okay, that's changing. Matthew, Bro it Matthew, Broderick, <laughs> yeah. Matthew Broderick does what Valentine is doing, and the Pentagon goes and gets him. 
So what what would generally actually happen? <laughs> yeah. So he was definitely. So needs. I'm getting oh, Orson yes. <laughs> Orson Scott Card signs a deal with Tor in 1983. The book needs to come out in '85. He's sitting in the theater in '83. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Watching that movie, going, what's the last couple chapters I need to write? What should Valentine be doing? Oh, oh, she's <laughs> a hacker. Oh, she's a hacker. And these Tron, Actually, no, and no, these no, Tron no, no. effects you, were really cool. You, let's do a battle put, room. If you put this book in the same couple of years that no, War Games happened, I'm much less impressed. <laughs> yeah, you actually, yeah, you're right. War, yeah, War Games would have come first. So yeah. the idea of an internet hacking, all of that was already yeah, there. My, if uh, he was on the forefront... You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm the IT guy at the table, and I'm totally dropping the uh, tech history Yeah, you should have been researching here. <laughs> I just, I don't know, it's, it all happened before I was alive. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just going to bring up the fact that you weren't born. Yeah, yeah you weren't that's, born. That's kind of how I was I grew born. up out in the boonies. I got, like, I got dial-up in, like, freaking 2000. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. <laughs> hey, man, um, I got dial-up when I was in, I, I got dial-up in 1996. See, that's what I'm saying. Nice. Like, you had, a, you, you had all the stuff before I did. Um, but at any rate, I was um, graduating from high school. <laughs> Okay, minutia aside. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so anyway, they come. Graf shows up. He's a little bit pudgier than before, and he wants to take Victra or Val Valentine. God, wow, uh, Valentine. There's a slip. There's a slip. Uh, Valen Oops. Valentine to go see Ender. Yes. So, um, okay, Club. I know this is your favorite scene ever. Yeah, um, it's all <laughs> it's, it's, I don't understand. Club. I don't get. I. I <laughs> they bring. We go to this secluded lake with this secluded house which was part of my intro yeah right and we find out that ender's been there for a couple months yeah which i, I and, and here's where i'm concerned about where's the immediacy of this invasion right where's the immediacy of us beating the buggers right. in order to be able to survive right. if ender can go mope at a cabin for a couple right. months and build a raft which well, i think is another they, drop because there is no invasion we're actually on the brink of destroying they, the civilization they do talk about holding off on some of the battles well, later and, on, and and again, I know, I know now because we have to wait right. for the ships to get there. But yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know now. We but know in the now. Moment, it's like, in the okay. moment, I'm like, what's going did you on? Just yada yada yada. Ship travel. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yada yada yada. Ship travel. <laughs> um, <laughs> isn't that kind of what the TARDIS does? <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, so she they give her a swimsuit. Because they magically have a swimsuit, which isn't creepy at all that the oh government God. has a swimsuit that's the size of the twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> it's the government. Nothing is. She goes and gets. She goes and gets on the raft, and they go float out on the raft for a while and yeah. like talk and yeah, like drink gently a brush. Drink a couple of Mike's hards or something while they're out there. I don't know. <laughs> gently brush each other. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, okay. So okay. Here's the thing. I, uh, yeah, you guys might have been suppressing their ages the entire time. I just suppressed this whole like part of the chapter. <laughs> okay. God. So so before people start throwing rocks at their yeah. at their computers, it should be sta stated uh, that most of us grew up in in the northern climes. Uh, and so not to make broad stereotypes, but we oh. are from small uh, we are from small communities of of Scandinavian descent. Uh, we do not show emotions well. No. Or outwardly, no, not at all. I don't know if this is just a cultural difference here, but 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 for whatever reason, I am very I'm very close with my sister, but the stuff I'm reading in here is a little bit too touchy feely. feely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, to where I'm going, to me this reads, and again, maybe this is just Northern Minnesota cultural bias, but this is reading to me is sexual tension. 
Oh yeah. And and I I was very off put no, by this. Exactly. But this might be my stuffy northern. Well, and it is. It, <laughs> and, and part of it is. And part of it undoubtedly is. It's yeah. the you know it's the climb that we come from. It's that Viking background of I don't touch my sister and you shouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here. <laughs> but yeah, so they float out. Um, Ender, well, think, Ender has this whiny trope where he's uh, like, I can't win all the battles, and I know I can't. What happens when I don't win? And da, 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 Just da. save the planet, dude. Yeah. And then we get into Valentine's head, and Valentine's going, oh, is he talking about Peter? Is he talk, Is he yep. still scared of Peter? Yeah. And I, no! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so Valentine at the end, and again, this just this portion feels like such contrite filler for me. As the raft floats back into the dock, yeah. Valentine takes his hand or whatever and is, go, go beat the buggers and save oh, me. Yeah, it does feel uh, and it's so dramatic. It's so forced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she even says like it's human to kill. I, I, I we learned it early. I, Otherwise, the tigers would rule the earth. It is very forced. I, I, I audibly groaned. <laughs> Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we are not going to make a lot of friends uh, for the I don't fans, care. Of, fans of this book. Hey, but fans, I'm always a fan. This chapter, yeah, it was a little hey. weird for me, but overall. Yeah, where's, Drag where's Dragonlance well, at, and man? Then we, and then oh, whoa! We, well, and then as we keep going through this chapter <laughs> wow. here, you're going to pull Dragonlance on this. I'd rather read Okay, we'll get to that. We'll we, have Ender and, we, have, wow. we have Ender and Graf who are now blasting off because Graf is going to escort him to you know command school or whatever we're going right. now. And again, we have this dialogue between Graf and Ender where Graf is explaining the exact same things that Valentine was just explaining right. to us in the previous paragraphs. Yes. Right. I feel it's a heavy-handed way of you need to have this turning moment for your hero. Yes. Right? Where where uh, where he's 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 putting down his sword, uh he's not feeling he can t continue with the fight and you need to re-energize him for the last two chapters where you have the the knockdown Dragonmount fight which we'll get to. Um I, I, but I do feel it's forced. It's heavy-handed and forced. It, it's what needs to happen. It's just not done to me in a great way. Sure. And this is me saying I do like a lot of parts of this book. And overall, this is, I think, a really, really great book. But I am not going to shy away. You can like a book and call out its faults. No, I, I agree with that. Like and this, The last chapter, I well, wholeheartedly agree. I That chapter was forced. The they last chapter of the book it. or the last chapter that we just... The one we just talked about yeah, right, 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 right. With, with Valentine. And then we get a big info dump about the actual buggers here. Thank yes. God. Because thank, I, thank goodness. I need it. You like, know, you know uh, better late than never is a, is a saying. Yeah. But I don't agree with it here. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been wanting to know about the buggers. This is coming too late for me, but I've, I've, I've needed this. I wanted more of an info dump. And so, so Uncle Graf, why are we fighting the buggers? Buggers. <laughs> <laughs> We're fighting oh, the buggers, son, because, son. well, I don't know. I Because they shot at us. We've they shot first, and they we're going to win. They don't communicate. You know what? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do communicate. They just don't communicate through words like we do. We find out, which they we find out they're telepathic. telepathically. You know what? I, I actually, 
I do like this part. I yeah. like we're we're breaking it down. Yeah, and what it, it, it's it's talked about too. Like what, what the the initial invasion was like? What like eighty years right. ago yeah, or something? Yeah, eighty to hundred years ago. Like some crazy. Like yeah, Graf wasn't even around. Yeah, right. right. Uh, but we, they fly off to Eros. But do we know how long does it take them to get to Eros? Is it, it like it doesn't talk? What about I that, what I, I do think. really love well, about because they they go at the speed of light. Because so Orson Scott Card does play really well with the idea of space travel. And yeah, how time relativity. Di- t- relativity time dilates for you, or, uh, you know, relative to people back on Earth. So his sister and brother will age differently than he does. By the end of this book, uh, him and Valentine will be in their twenties, whereas Peter will be like dead. seventy and yeah. then dead. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, which I really like. I yeah. really like that idea. And so we get this whole explanation too, as well, of the Ansible. Yes. Device that allows ships to talk to each other from across the galaxy. We have instantaneous communication, but we do not have instantaneous travel, which I kind of dig. I dig that. You have to have this. This is like Star Wars, Star Trek, all of them use this. Like, it really sets up hard things plot-wise if you cannot communicate across the galaxy. Yeah, it's super... And, and, and like, just... That makes sense. It's super easy to send data like that. Yeah. But to send, like, matter right. like a person mm, right, right. like that but all of that would be still subject them. to uh, to Relative. physics and, and relative. but but i feel like all science fiction writers pretty much need to use if, this look, 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 into, look into the quantum bit yeah right yeah, right mind. Yeah. and even graph yeah. at this no, point that's real it's true yeah, i know yeah and even graph at this point explains drops the little note here about well they we, f- we figured out that they communicate through thought and they're telepathic, and they probably think we're pretty dumb because we're not telepathic. Yeah, right. So uh, there was a mi- maybe this is all a miscommunication, but we're sending every goddamn ship that the Earth has. <laughs> <laughs> we are defenseless. It might the be. The entire Earth is defenseless. They've sent every single ship that they have right, right. to yep. the home world here because right. it takes five years to get there. Right. Well, hey. At least we know if the Earth gets destroyed, we got a bunch of other ships somewhere. Right. Or if we all turn into Morlocks and Eloy, there's still people out in space. Yeah, there we go. They can <laughs> or come jo- back just and bring over us back. in America. You know, we don't. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. But I think what you just said even is 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 great in that we're getting this first hint that will be made clear later that that the buggers saw us like because they're called buggers we see them as ants we see them as what we step on on the sidewalk as the quote-unquote lower life and we find out that they saw us the same way because we couldn't communicate telepathically Mm -hmm. in some ways they probably thought of us we're not telepathic and they don't have a radio because they don't need one right right they're not communists. Oh, they're not capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> Back at it again. Yeah, I, I, I'm so telling So that's wrapping up chapter 13. Uh, or, or this strange language that's spoken in the jungle that we don't understand yeah. is Americans. Right. There is a weird little drop here, um, and I am not... Uh, Get not Vietnam f- out of here. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, he but brought it up. Graf <laughs> Graf says that somebody dredged the name Ansible out of... Uh, out uh, of an old book somewhere, and that it caught on, so I had to look up what okay, that was. What do you got? What do you got, homie? Um, it's some sort of joke. Uh, at the time when this was written in '77, there was an author named Ursula K. Le Guin, mm-hmm. uh, who did a very famous uh, a series of books called the Earthsea novels. I've read the first one, um, but it was a long time ago. I remember when reading it, 
thinking how very close to Harry Potter a lot of it oh, felt. But this would have come right. way earlier to the point of where I had already read the first Harry Potter book and kind of going like, man, did she rip like huge chunks out of Earthsea for this? Okay. Although it takes place in more of a medieval kind of a universe. I don't know what Ansible is in that universe. I, re I read it a long time ago. I don't remember what it is. Okay. But it's something from Ursula K. Le Guin. My guess is they're both sci-fi fantasy authors at the same time. He's doing a solid to her. I don't know what the relationship would have been or why he would have done that. Hmm. Or maybe you know just something to other readers that would have thought mm -hmm. it was and yeah. A little I'll, Easter egg. A little Easter egg for somebody. I, you know, and I, I went with like the first Google thing here too, where again, it's a different company, but I'll, I will, I will call out the IT guy over here as well, yes. because there is a product out there called Ansible, what? which is a open source automation platform, uh, con configure management, deployment, and task automation. Really? Sounds huh. very Skynet to me now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold this. Somebody, <laughs> somebody was a big guys. fan. Yeah, of this. somebody was a fan yeah. out there and actually went, "Okay, I'm gonna name my product this." <laughs> oh like yeah, that. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the, that's the the cool thing about my field. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know, you can name it whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I just yeah. thought that was funny. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're communicating through here. Um, yeah, and I like again. We're we're going. Be, this whole war is because we can't communicate, and I'm just hearing Pink Floyd's. <laughs> Why don't you talk to me? <laughs> Running through it. But let's go on to chapter 14, right? Ender's teacher. Okay, so this this sets up a lot of stuff. This is a huge chapter. 33 pages. Wow. We meet Admiral Charmander. What what is this yeah, dude's uh, name? So oh, you are I, I just went with Ander or uh, Admiral Ch and stopped. Cham Ranger? Chab Ragnar? What is it? You know, I don't even know yeah, what I said. I, I listened to the audiobook. I don't even remember. Yeah, and I think I did what you guys did. Just did some sort of like, and just like, yeah, no, yeah. I didn't care. It Charmander. was that. Charmander, Grab, talk about Ender. Yeah, yeah. And he immediately rails into Graf here. Why were you gone for three months? <laughs> we yeah. got stuff to do. Yeah. What I do like about Admiral Ch is, <laughs> is that uh, is that he he thinks that space travel and all that stuff is very mystical. He takes like this mystical bent on it, and I, I almost feel like if it's a fleet, it's like ships, you know. And he's the one who's still in love with the mystery of the sea and being out amongst the waves, you know, and takes a mystical bent of the ocean. And I kind of like this mystical nautical bent of being out. Uh, in space. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's kind of how I would be. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a couple years, so even the commanders and even the people who are on the ships mm -hmm. going through may not even be the same ones that started it out. Right, right. And well, I'm not one to call out chapter length, but I'm going to call out chapter length. This is a by far the longest chapter. I was going to say, I'm looking for the end of the chapter at, right now, actually. At 33 pages, and uh, if I do sometimes have a irritation. Uh, I do like when chapters are not overly long and you're you have a nice pace going. I feel 14 and 15 get stretched and you can feel it in almost everything uh, including that the chapter's too long. Like break it up into a couple Ooh, of themes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's there's a few main parts you definitely could have broken it up. You could break where, it up into multiple like chapters. where Ender starts the combat against uh, his teacher. 
That right. would be a great spot to put a chapter right. and move on. Because my reading tends to, because of everything else that we, we do and everything else, uh, tends to get broke up a lot. It's, but it all depends on your poop schedule. Right. Let's right. be honest. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, so I like to, but I'm a weirdo in that I, I have to like get through a chapter. Yeah. Like, I, I don't exactly. like to stop in the middle of a I chapter. I completely agree. So when, I'm, when I go, oh, 33-page chapter, how long can I stay in this toilet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't like that. So, but we spent we spent we basically jumped the next year. I'm, I'm the same way, man. I'm the same way. I gotta admit that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah hey, I'm listeners, with you. Uh, talk about no, never mind. <laughs> so we jumped Please, the next. No. We 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 jumped through the next year, and Ender's playing his own, and in my head, Ender's playing his own like single player game of Galaxians here <laughs> as he's commanding the single fighter. And, of yes. course, it was written in the 80s, so I'm seeing 80s video games yes. as he's commanding oh, a fight. Yeah, yeah but, I'm not seeing it in, in modern. But here, Bob, we're finally in a simulator. Yes, which this is what I, yeah, this is how you would do it. But this is happening right before he's about to fight the buggers, right? Like, I mean, we are training them. How, what kind of time elapses here? I didn't get a sense. I don't know if I was reading faster, skipping things. I didn't get a sense for how long is he here training. Doing it, this. It's at least a year before okay. we meet Maserakum. Okay. Um, and Maserakum comes in just by randomly being the weird dude that appears in his quarters. Yeah. And yeah. this is definitely, you the know, he's played... Kung Fu Master. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very played, Kung Fu Master. He's played by yeah. Ben Kingsley in the movie. Right. Um, I definitely saw him as, you know, that Ben Kingsley, that David Carradine, that even, maybe even yes. like Chris Christopherson, you know, type yeah. older David character. Carradine, I'm sure, is what yeah. we're going for here. Yes, yes. Um, but well, I, I like and he that. introduces him by immediately attacking him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, once again, it's just their way of training Ender, in my mind, where it's just, sucks to be you, you're going to get the crap beaten out of you repeatedly. Oh, yeah, we start Figure off, it out. And we start off with this whole, like, almost Cobra Kai, like, aspect is, yeah. I'm going to train you by kicking the snot out of you. Yeah, yeah right, hey, right. It worked great for me. <laughs> it worked for me for something. That's true, true. This is true. Boy, I, I, man, I'm sounding like a broken record, uh, but... Uh, this is where things are starting to kind of... I had said in the last podcast that uh, I think it was the beginning of Chapter 4 or something like that, that there's this kind of underlying thrum that starts happening that just starts to get to a breaking point. I'm kind of done with training at yeah. this point, and I'm needing action to happen, and yeah. all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm staring down the barrel uh, of this chapter going, oh... And now Sensei comes in. Mm. <laughs> We're going to have more training. Okay. And, I I, and I kind of am done with training, and I want to see battles, which I'm going to go to the end of the book. We never see. Like, I mean, we do. It's so abbreviated. Mm. This is the longest, like, foreplay in the history of the world <laughs> to the shortest climax I have ever read in a book. Like, I'm just like, I have read 220 pages of foreplay, and now you've given me three pages of climax. I'm not coming back to you anymore, lover. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my high school girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but on a more serious note here, I do like the... Oh, that was serious. Oh, I, <laughs> I do like the explanation we get of relativity traveling here. Yes. Because yes. the I last battle, when, when Mazer Rackham did, did his thing, it was like 80 years ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was 80 so years. When he first shows up, I'm like, 
how the hell is he still here? It's been 80 years. Okay, and then we get the explanation here of the relativity of space travel, and right. he took the voyage so that he could be here for the great commander, the chosen. He could be here when the chosen one was supposed mm -hmm. to come. Right, right. And I do love the way he plays with relativity. I've said it. I, I will say, I want to go back to your comment about the battles. And yeah, it is it, it is a constant tease up <laughs> yeah. to these. Except, what would a commander see other than dots on a screen? No, I, I agree. It, it's hard to give that narrative beyond the commander unless you're right. able to jump to the perspective of yep. those pilots. That's that's what I'm saying is, for me, the arc is now too short. Okay. So what he's focusing is on the arc from being a child, being trained to your first and final battle. Whereas I prefer an arc to go from you're taking up the sword, the mantle, and then you're fighting your battles through to some sort of longer, farther okay. out endpoint. That's not happening. This yeah. is too too short in the beginning, and it's not leading me to a place that you I'm liking. Okay. You spend your time in the video game going through training mode so that you can play the levels, not so you can fight the final boss right away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're playing a video game, yeah. How horrible would it be to have trained the entire time and you fight the final boss? Oh, game over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're oh, 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 training? That was real life. Uh, roll credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we, so, and we get this explanation in here within this within the beginning of this chapter too uh, about the fact that the buggers are a hive mind. Yes. Yeah. And you know the reason why Ma Mazarakum was so what is so revered is he basically destroyed the queen and all the other ones shut down. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I, I sh I'd like to point out here that this trope of an insectile like alien race that is a hive mind that speaks telepathically is very much and I don't know who started it but very much a trope of science fiction and I love it all the time oh, oh yeah oh, yep. it's like, like I always love th this is the beginning of the board yep. right and this is I think I, I don't always care if something is new and hasn't been seen before I feel that this speaks to humans on a very kind of primal level it's it's always best to me when you take something that's very familiar Insects are very familiar. Their lifestyle is familiar. Mm -hmm. You create an alien race that's pretty much just an insect colony. Yeah. But it but it resonates with a person because yeah. it's what you're familiar yeah. with. Well, and know? again, we have it is something that makes makes that race and one of, one of the reasons why Ender is being told things the way he's being told them here is again it makes this race the evil insect people they're not human they don't have feelings the only one that has you know that they are the hive they are simply right. the worker ants there's no there's no underlying psychology there which is why it's okay for us to just destroy them right and i like this because what what is being told to us we're still being told yeah that like insects they they have no societal structure they don't they don't seem to care for each other all of that. Yeah. They're just bad. They're just bad, and insects would lend itself to that. We will find out none of that is true. Yeah, by the end. No, but that's why he's being but told I, I, exactly. this way. And I love this manipulation that's going on. Yes. I do really like that. Once again, it's that big, bad government coming back in right. and saying, you know, it's the propaganda. It is constant right. manipulation. But, you know, I, now for all of the... Uh, this all sounded like hate, I guess, but I, I'm not hating on the book. I do like what Mazer has to say. He's very Yoda-ish in a lot of ways, right? Like his... First lesson is, you know, you know, don't trust old men. Uh, you know, and the things that don't look dangerous might be dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of those kinds and, of ideas. And he's trying to come across here, or at least Card is trying to get him across here, I feel, as being 
hey, you know, I'm I'm going to train you because I want you to think of me as the enemy, and that way we're gonna you're gonna fight against yeah. me. Um, but I'm not part of them. Yeah. There is we no find teacher. out later. Oh God, yes, he is yeah. part. Oh, of he's them. absolutely part but, of them. And so this makes Ender even more separated, even more isolated, because Rackham is doing this very intentionally. No, we're the only two that are like right. us. Yeah, and right. I I will say for the majority of this time, as soon as uh, Mazer is introduced to Ender, uh, the entire other time. Uh, the Toon Leaders, Bean, Petra, uh, Dink, who I always called Dirk. Yeah. Uh, Dink Baker? Yeah. They <laughs> are all there. They are all there on the same planet mm-hmm. at that moment in time. And yeah, it, we, we do get that at the end here. We, we do, but it's one of those where they are training, and the entire time, Bean is the one that's in charge of them. Okay. Bean right. is the commander until... Ender comes in. So mm-hmm. once again, but it's... they're also in another facility, so that they're never. There's no actual physical contact. Yeah, with and Ender. then that was the point. So what? Make sure and we do that. get. Um, Mazer does divulge that Eros used to be a bugger home, which has right. no bearing on anything. But that's a thing. That's but it does true. explain a couple. It does explain a couple things on why when Ender first got here. But also, the, wall, the walls are weird. But also, the walls could have just not been weird. Yes. No. I, yeah. I, it is that, that, that's all I was going to I agree. Why are we living in an so? Antil? So, what are your guys' thoughts on Mazer Rackham? Like, are we supposed coolest name I've read in a long time? Uh, yeah. Again, cool name. But are we supposed to see him as a heroic kind of Yoda? Is he somewhere in between? Is he part of the establishment? What is what is his role? And I don't know what outside of the books he's been established as, or in other uh, books. Just, oh no, he hasn't been established. Yeah, ju- okay. just isolated here. Well, I thought you said there's books about the Bugger War seventy years ago. Uh, I I I said oh, yeah, I also yeah. have not read those. Oh, okay, I, 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 those. I was okay. looking through. Yeah, you know, I was looking through, and I have not read those. I think we're supposed to get that that Yoda ish, that um, Sensei ish, yes, quality from him. In Perhaps order to, misguided. I don't think he's definitely no, a part of the machine. Because he wants part to of kill the, the buggers. Yeah. He's, he's part. He's machine. part of the machine. But he's the tool that the machine is now, or that is now using Ender. Right. And you know, it, it is. It is talked about how his family, or he lost his family because because of his war. choice yeah. to come here. And again, you could say he's an old warrior. He's come. He he fought against the buggers the first time they came when everybody thought they were the enemy. Mm-hmm. And maybe has not come to see them as being who they really are. And no, it's continuing just because that of what he's fight. lost. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the entire time, and once again, this is coming from the Bean book, uh, the entire time they're fighting, and it affects Ender because Mazer, all of his friends are dying. The people right. that Ender is sacrificing are all of his friends, and then it goes into, once again, the... How he, he is psycho or how he is influencing Ender because every time he loses somebody he harks on them that you can't lose that person. And it's like, well, you're telling him to to make sacrifices, right. but not sacrifice your friends. So it's yes. one of those where it, it affects his psyche as he goes, Ender's psyche as he goes too. Well, and Mazer is compl- is constantly telling these are your commanders. They're trained under you. Mazer is constantly telling him these are not your friends. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You can't. You need to. We need to go through this with the least losses physically possible. But these are not your friends. Yeah. You yeah. have no friends. I may be your only friend, and I'm your enemy. Yeah, which right. is all again a horrible place to put any human being in because which is why we see Ender start getting run down as much as he is because he, again he's in this isolation and now the stakes are higher and all of this you know he is a commander he's not a friend you know well uh, he's so alone yeah right right, right. 
even though he has contact again with the people who should who he should be fighting for and with, he is so alone. Yeah. Um, we Then Mazer kind of sets us up for the rundown to the end of this book. He tells us kind of two big important things of pieces of information. He won the last time because he killed the queen. And then he says, hey, and by the way, we've been researching new technology. We've got a new weapon. Um, Ugh. This major disintegration rate. Luke, you love this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Device. Doctor Device. Not only is the name stupid, it's based off of a dumb pun. <laughs> Uh, is it? Is it so the, the, the material dis- dis- disintegrator? I don't know uh, what it stands for. Hold on, I can find it. But anyway, any whatever it is, uh, it's MD. Mm-hmm. MD doctor, MD device, doctor device. You know what I got off of this, uh, and this is me not being able to get out of the Cold War, is that this is Doctor Strangelove. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. This you know is the what? atomic bomb. This is the atomic bomb. Yes. Oh, and yes. Well, so he's alluding to it. He doesn't want to say Doctor Strangelove, which is all, you know, a great or, movie. Or, or how I learned to love the atomic bomb. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. And so he's calling it Doctor Device, which, you know, is this tongue-in-cheek uh, kind of hippie way of playing with nuclear weapons. This is what I always... This is, As soon as it's called Doctor Device, I'm like, oh, Doctor Strangelove. Okay, okay. I get it. Yeah. And they did talk about how nuclear weapons were now... Obsolete. Yes. Pretty much. I won't lie. This is a very cool sounding weapon. I like how this works. This is very yeah. unique in, in how it works, where it like splits apart atoms and it kind of works as like a wave or like dominoes dropping where it... it uh, Mo- molecular detachment device. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of precipitates out from whatever you've hit. Mm-hmm. And it slowly decreases in momentum, but it does it gain it? As momentum if it, as if it, it runs into something else, then it will gain from their atoms or something yeah. like that. So the strategy is to try to kind of get them to cluster together, hit one of them. It, it will propagate through all of them and destroy them all. Yeah. Right? And redu- yeah. reduce everything. Reduce everything. Destroy to just everything. F- flex of ash. Yeah. So if we kind of go through a lot of this, well, let's not go through to the end. Never mind. I've no. got other things to say as we yes. get to this final battle. But, yeah. Um, so I reunite... You, I feel like Orson Scott Card has watched enough movies now to know you got to reunite all the friends at the end. Reunited and it feels so good. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) So the long and short of it is Ender wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. All of the simulations, the last one that he's asked to play, he's outnumbered like a thousand to one. This is your final examination. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is your final examination. Uh, Don't think it's weird that, like, we're all here watching you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, honestly, I was not tipped off in any way as to what was going to happen. Oh, actually, this is, okay, I don't know why I didn't talk about it now. Ender causes massive genocide by instead of fighting the ships... Mm-hmm. Kind of like what he'd done in training, where he's going to sacrifice everything to dive to their gate. Mm-hmm. He is going to use the weapon against the planet, right, to destroy everything. Yes. Right. What's not jiving with me right now, it kind of didn't back then, because what we get is this scene of Ender having done it, finds out that it's not a simulation, mm-hmm. it's all been real, and all of these guys behind him, it's like the, the lights go on and everybody's applauding him for what he's thought of. To me... I don't get now, why did they even need Ender 
I have no idea. For any of this. I have so no you idea. have... It seems more like they're trying to pass the buck, buck. of genocide onto a child. That, which I, is one of the most effed up things. <laughs> I agree. And in ever. some ways, I would see that <laughs> as a cool plot device. That, okay, so you're going to pass the yeah, buck if, of if genocide. It, if it was a plot device. But I don't feel it is. No. Well, like, like, you have set up all of this cool strategy... Almost none of it's used, or at least it's so brief that we don't know if he uses it or not, just so he can get his ship close to the planet so that he can... I don't know, can you not automate this? Do you not have... Like, launch 500 of those things at the planet, one will get through, you've won the war. Why did you need all of this training with a kid? A plot because device isn't a plot device and a climax that isn't a climax. And then they it's... act like it's a really cool thing that he thought outside of the box to do this, but then you tell me, Paul... In another yeah, book, that Bean was the backup plan. Like, these these a-holes have known the entire time that all they need to do is get this bomb to the planet's surface. Well, Bob, let me jump on. Let, let, let me ask you something <laughs> here, I'll, quick. I'll let Cloud start, right. and then I'll jump yeah. in. Yes, right yeah, before go, you go, go into it. In Another Book. Yeah, um, no, I'm not going to go um, into In Another Book. I'm going to go into this book. Oh, okay. wow. Okay, good. Well, I've got it already. Oh, nice. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, so, but I Bob, the, I know yeah. is, this, is this very much like, you know, maybe... Drafting eighteen-year-olds and sending them to a foreign country underneath the guise <laughs> of, of fighting the big baddies that yes. are there and not telling them exactly what's going on. No, I agree. That, a, a little bit, but that—that's at least you know, like you know, an eighteen-year-old man is a little more you know, right? What physically capable? But what I'm saying is, this entire book has set us up that Ender is the only one who could have done this. Ender's smart. Ender's better. Ender's better than everybody. We have combed him. We have brushed him. We have got him through this entire system uh, to show that he is the best. But it is so abbreviated at the end. All we find out what was the big thing Ender was supposed to do: deliver the bomb to the the bomb to the planet's surface. That's that doesn't take any strategy, and we're not even given the strategy in the book that he uses to get... Are we just supposed to assume that, and a lot of fighting happened, Ender used all the strategies he ever used, and he got the bomb to the planet's surface? It's like, again, this entire long buildup to just a... We could have we montaged the training. We didn't want to montage the climatic battle. Yeah, this, they this montaged where, the climatic battle. This is where I think you read too fast. Really? Because there was a few times where... well, And I okay. might have. Believe me, I might have. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But they talked about how the buggers' strategy was so... And how they could communicate so effectively Tel- with each telepathically. other... Telepathically. That they didn't have to worry about... Uh, having one group do one thing and another do something else. They mm. were constantly thinking of everything. Right. They were constantly thinking of what was there to do, and what they talked about was this problem that the Earth Army and the Earth uh, Defense Force had. Earth Defense Force, I wonder where that's from. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. But it's the problem they had was that everything was too slow. The human thought process was too slow. If one person was in command, they would tell a human, you have to do this. That human would then think about it, tell their person, and so on and so forth. But right. with Ender's strategy and the way that Ender Where they're all worked, in charge of small four-person tunes. Well, it's where they worked all well together and they all knew about right. each other versus the, you don't know the person right next to you. It's, right. it's where they've all been working together for so mm-hmm. long that it, right. they became essentially a hive mind where... They fought Ender, the bugs like the bugs. Exactly. You right. fought like the bugs. And that was how they got Which, there. They would not... Hold on. They would not have been able to get to that final planet, to the big right, planet right. where everything is without 
that Ender's strategy. strategy. Was the ending strategy that important? Yes, because it did talk about how he kept sending things back. He kept them always on their toes versus just doing a straight dive. If you did a straight dive, that's easy to defend. Right. He, they talked about it, the strategy that he did use about swirling tactics, things like that. Now, do I know a lot about military space combat? No. <laughs> no, because that's not a thing. It's not a thing. So it's I got your of, back on that one. Yeah. It, it's one of those where they that did... That we know of. Ooh. Ooh. They, they did talk about it. They talked about how without Ender's strategy and without his command ability and without all of those things, he wouldn't have been able to get to that final planet right. to do that dive bomb. And there, there is the key for me. Uh, they talked about it. Show me, don't tell me. And at the end of this book, we again... Again, what you said, Club, montage some of this training. Don't montage. At least give me a few extra chapters of this fight so there's tension to build. If there's a failing, I feel, for me personally, of this book, mm. there is no tension for this final battle. Maybe there's not supposed to be. Maybe I'm missing the point of what this book is supposed to be. But this we have built to this final battle... I feel no tension in this final have, battle whatsoever. Have we have we built I this don't know. final battle? I don't I, know. I don't I don't feel like we have. No. I feel yeah. like we we've been training for it and yeah. then it happens and then all of a sudden okay. Yeah. It's over. And it's it's over super quick and like a video game that's super I like an anticlimactic video game it's like we just turn off the TV oh by the way mm. like in a movie if it was like the hey just everything you just saw that was a dream sequence right like, hey. <laughs> you wouldn't you'd be what was, what was that what was that TV show uh, oh lost yeah lost. <laughs> <laughs> but do we do that with war uh, well yeah I, I think about that we 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 end World War II we end Vietnam we turn off the news on the TV and we go back to our daily lives not thinking about all the other things that actually went on with it or all the other repercussions that happened right. for dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima we right. don't we don't care we flip off the it's TV true. and that go back to true. Petticoat Junction yeah we yeah. we do we do turn off and the next thing we hear from Japan is if, Godzilla on the TV screen here's your you Nintendo. know yeah exactly uh, I agree there. If, if that's what he's after, is a statement over real-life war, which I've been following those threads this entire yeah. way. I didn't yeah. catch those. This is where I felt the plot drop. This is where I was ready to stop looking for Vietnam analogies and was ready for a well, knock-down-drag-em-out fight with the buggers. And I guess I'm disappointed that that didn't happen. And, and again, maybe I wasn't supposed to. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying... I'm not there with you. I'm not saying that you know. Right. We always want the big fight at the end. We always want yeah. you know. We always want. And that's that. not a hard sci-fi trope. Necessarily. You want you want to have you want to have to go through a couple gun turrets before you blow up the Death Star. Exactly. Yes. Um, that's what I wanted. I wanted to see Biggs get fried. Yes. First. yes. <laughs> and, no Biggs. And and and, Porkins. and the explanation Porkins. of poor Porkins's name. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> poor like like Petra should have died before this all went down. Well. <laughs> And going they with had that. the they had the petrol oh in another in another book she dies doesn't no. she okay. well, <laughs> you guys you guys keep bringing that up but I'm sorry it's one of those where that's my job here in the comic book number five she yeah, dies that's no. that's my job but, but it's, it's yeah it's but one of those where she just, does have that break she does break down in the book where yeah you know and then a bunch of people die mm-hmm. so it it there is that and I think that a lot of it has to do with what I you know what I had just said previously too about the non uh, war isn't like the movies 
Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's at least I'm not saying that I don't want it to be it. Right. No, I absolutely. Yes. If if I'm the if I'm the educated skinny white dude watching the war movie, I want a battle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is how which is how we're reading this, how we're looking at this, but in real life, is it really that way? And, and right. I don't know. I'm, you know, of a different, I, you know, uh, we're the, we're all post real war, right? Um, Absolutely. Generation where it's never been something that has actually been hugely on our plate. Something that we've personally had to deal with as as much as previous generations right, right, to us. Right. And I think I I think part of this ending and why it is so anticlimactic is to make us angry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And especially when we get into. Um, the next part of the or the end of the chapter and the next part of the chapter of of the get to the end of the chapter and the next part of the next chapter where well you know he you know he did kill two kids while he was in training right, let's put right, him right. on trial for that wait what no he's supposed to be the hero of the galactic yeah, right, army here right. yeah, yeah and there's there's part of me that thinks that this is Orson Scott Card still being an analog magazine writer mm-hmm. because analog magazine was like this where you you would have a great science fiction fantasy idea that you were driving home to your readership. And that's what would happen all the time. You know, you you the the climax would be just very quick cuz you're it's not about the action. It wasn't, you know, in no, analog, it's about the message. It's about the message. And so the message of Ender's Game is not necessarily what, you know, what I wanted. But now we flesh this out to a novel and I feel like Orson Scott Card is still sticking true to the message of the original the original piece that was oh, in analog, okay. but he is not then making it a populist novel well, is, is, is that this has not, the thing. Is this not how it ended in analog? It is. No, this is how it, where it's just boom, okay. boom, boom, boom. Okay. To the end. And that's, to me, that feels very much like an analog thing. Like, okay, war, training for war, training for war. I'm going to show you all this about command and, 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 and suppression of knowledge from the people. Oh, and then this war happened. Repercussions, aftermath of war. That's what I'm concerned with. You know, I don't care about the actual fighting in there. So again, to me, and so I'm not going to damn this book for that necessarily. That's me, the first read through going, I'm primed for a fight here. Oh, crap, there's nothing. Yeah. Right? And then going, oh, wait, that's not the story Orson Scott Card is trying to tell. That's not his point. Exactly. And if you look at a lot of the science fiction of 60s, 70s, 80s, um, even the, now the hardcore science fiction. Hardcore, yes. It is about that message. Whether you're looking yep. at Philip K. Dick, whether you're looking at Roddenberry, whether yes. you're looking at Bradbury, yep. it's about the human interaction. It's right. about th- the impact on humanity more than right. it is the big blow-up space battle or, you know, flying the eagles into the castle right. to go blow everything up. Yeah. Kind of like a lot, <laughs> a lot of like how independent music isn't really about the melody it's just about the message. Oh, yuck. Get out. <laughs> um, it's not as enjoyable. <laughs> it depends no, on how you're no, reading it. No, it is not. It I came here thinking it. I was going to hear some Def Leppard. Uh, and, and I ended up and hearing Yanni or Foot. <laughs> and was it Yanni Sorry, or Wookie Foot? Uh, <laughs> they're not listening. They're not listening. Uh, nobody knows Wookie Foot. Look so up. I was gonna say I have no idea. Who you're yeah, look about. up Wookie Foot. Okay. Yeah. So he blows everything up, no, and then he goes to sleep for like five days. <laughs> right. Well, there's a war on Earth that Peter stops. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. There, uh, it was a, there was a war on that planet, on the planet, yeah. or on the little place that they were on. Yeah. Once again, right. hey guys, guys, it there's was in a book it, for that. It, there wasn't. There's not a book for that. It was in Bean's book. 
in Bean's book. Okay. Once again, that's why I think everybody says if you like this, go to the Bean, Bean story book. because it fleshes this out. It fleshes it out. It talks about a lot of the things that you guys are having complaints about. Right. Yeah. You know what? That right. you know that's definitely the good the the definite like tells of a good book is that it needs another book. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I know, I know. Sorry, I, 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 um, <laughs> just a bit. Chapter Ooh, four, chapter Irish in the end of it too. Chapter fourteen ends. Chapter fifteen, 15 starts where the book should have just ended. So it's interesting that you should say that that this should be where it ends because <sighs> chapter fifteen is called Speaker for the Dead. The title of the next book, yep. where all of this is kind of expanded. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we start off. For the final time with Graf and Anderson sitting quietly by a lake. I like this because we're kind of ending on a quiet note. They're sitting by a lake. We find out kind of their end. How there's kind of a trial that's been going on for their treatment of minors and all that kind of stuff. And I, I feel this is also analogous to war. Right? And I guess it's interesting that I never kind of... That final fight where I, I stopped looking at my Vietnam analogies. Because here they come back. Yeah. Right, where this this whole you know there's going to be it's the war is done. Um, they we're don't, there, they we're, don't we're care. There. The war was done. The military doesn't care that there wasn't WMDs. We there. we did what we had to do. <laughs> the war, yeah, it's like the, they're like sitting around going like the the world won't understand what we did here, but we we did something that was needed to be done. You know, but oh yeah, but but meanwhile again, there's very trials doctor, again very Doctor Strange. I, I agree. I agree. Right. Um, they both know that Ender will never come back to Earth because he would be too dangerous. They've created a monster. It, which... You know they say that. To me, I don't get that because I don't feel they exactly, have. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I agree. Is that they're acting like they've created this I mean, weapon. Sure, sure, he would be a celebrity when he got back. Because we have seen his empathy throughout this whole thing. He is killing people, but he is empathetic afterwards. So mm-hmm. I, it's not driving home this fact that, that they've created this emotionless monster that can never come home again. I think it would be weird, though, just thinking of it from the other point, too, for him to come back where his brother and sister are now so much older than he is because of the relativity of space-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, come back and, okay, we have this... 12-year-old celebrity. I can't believe he's 12. Who is, yeah. <laughs> you know, we he would be this 12-year-old celebrity. He right. is celebrated. They're writing books about him. They're doing magazines. He's on the Wheaties box, the whole shooting match. <laughs> right. um, but, again, yeah. when you think about it, now we're bringing, now the military's going to bring, yeah, all that secret stuff we did, here's the 12-year-old that committed yep. genocide. Right. Yeah. And, well, and, and, again, if people are really having trouble with the fact that Maybe some of us are having so much problems with the age thing here. I would invite any of you to come and be a guest and sit in my classroom. <laughs> 12 and 13 year olds. Uh, uh, you year after to, you, year you, after. You, you will need to pass. You will need to pass <laughs> a uh, background check. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't just come sit <laughs> no, in no, you can't just class. But year after year after year with 12 and 13 year olds and believe that one of them over the last five years has just gotten done saving the galaxy. Again, if it if it's like people are sitting at home going, it's not that preposterous. Yes, I think it is. I think I think we're at a again. I'm gonna just keep harping on it. We're at a different position because we work with people who are 12 and 13. Oh, it's yeah. really hard, really hard well, for us to see this as being real. And so Peter's age, because it's been like 15 years on Earth. Yeah. <clears throat> Peter's age. He's now in control of the. He's now the Grand Pumbaa of Earth. <laughs> he's the hegemon. The hegemon. The hegemon. He's Charmander. Whatever. Island. He yeah. He's he's the. Uh, He's the he's the hedgy Charmander, and like we don't know what that means or why it's important, but he is it. 
He is yes. it, and Ender can't go back to Earth because Peter will kill him still. Or I, don't, or, I, or, I don't know. Or, do, do we believe something? that? I don't think Peter will kill him. I think it's that Peter will use him. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those, and yeah. the main reason that... Oh, no, no, you're, you're definitely right. Yeah, it's yes. he will yes. use him. Yeah. And the main reason they don't want him... would they him... kill him in the long run? <gasps> right. Dun, dun, dun. Go on, Paul. <laughs> wait, but there's not a book about that. There's there, there, There's not a book oh, about wait. that at all. But, but, I, but I do love I, the... I just, I just want to add in... The, there's another reason why they don't want Ender to come back to Earth is he is that commander that can recognize all that different all the different things that certain troops are good at and it's that thing that he has always been very good at is honestly he's good at what Peter does manipulating people mm-hmm. to right. do their one thing and that yes. is part of why they don't want him there but he is also somebody that can be easily manipulated that is right. a very good point, and the only thing I'm thinking here is I've been teased for 14 chapters, and now all of a sudden you just want to sit there and talk to me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter's running the Earth. We learn that Valentine has hopped the ship so she won't be that much older than Ender when she gets to the colony. Which and is very important. Which is very next important. Book. The next book has Ender's one. been offered a 12-year-old governorship. Yeah, um, God of one me. of the planets. We go through this whole machination. <laughs> In of... what freaking universe is a twelve-year-old sitting? I don't care how smart you are. Imagine the world, half the world. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to complete that statement. <laughs> Electing a twelve-year-old to to uh, to okay, okay, but yeah, 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 you probably don't want to. Yeah, yeah let's but okay, that. yeah, true. Ender doesn't want to be governor. Valentine talks him into it, and he decides to go on an archaeological dig. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, oh, again, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out as being very analog. You you need to get a story mm-hmm. and your point across in an incredibly short amount of time. We're at a okay. 220 page novel. This could have been 310. He could have done a lot more here. He's not going to. I don't know that I want to sit through it all, but he's going to do this archaeological dig on the people he just killed. He now feels bad. Well, for it what wasn't he's an done. archaeological dig on the not people really. he killed. No, he no, was he's just not. looking for land for the next colony ship. Right, right, right. That was all yeah, he was doing. It, Yeah, he's met up with Valentine and they Yeah, but he didn't want to be governor because he had just killed everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he, again, like he's done throughout this whole book, he's gone now to him too far. Yep. And he's feeling remorseful for what has just Absolutely. happened. Absolutely. So we get to the colony, there's people there, all of a sudden Ender goes for a walk in the woods and stumbles upon some rocks that look like a giant bone from that damn mind game again. <laughs> so what does that mean? Uh, I don't care. Again, we have, well, again, we, and this is a little bit of a trope, but it's not, it's not too bad here, other than it's the mind game, and I hate the mind game, yeah. that he feels like, he's been feeling like he's being drawn for some reason. Right. Full, full so, disclosure, I fell asleep at this part in my uh, audiobook, and I had to go back and re-listen to it. Okay. <laughs> so, so. Because, because I didn't, I did not get a climax to this book. Well, and, there isn't. <laughs> and then it just kept dragging on. Yeah. And I just like, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's getting warm. Guys, would you agree it's warm right now? Yes. It was about this temperature um, when I was listening to this book. I don't know how you could listen to a book in this temperature. You know, I don't know either, and then I fell asleep. Okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, but but why has the, this, these ruins, why why was this in the game? Um, No, the ruins... The ruins weren't in the game. The buggers made them. These aren't ruins. This okay. is... But the, so the buggers made... Okay, so, this, well, that's the, what I mean. Yeah, the buggers 
figured out he was the only one that they could end up somewhat communicating yeah. with. When they were dissecting right. his dreams, that was them trying yeah. to communicate with him. That was them okay. building this his weird, to him. Yeah, his weird dreams and all the dreams that he's been having and the nightmares and everything that he's been having when he's not playing are, the game are the buggers, are the buggers trying, trying to communicate, communicate yeah. with yeah. him. Yeah, right. Because exactly. he's the only one truly with empathy. Yeah, right. it is, well, just that truly empathizes with them. It is mm-hmm. that it is that standard sci-fi right. where it's trying to communicate with somebody you don't understand. And I say that knowing that because for me, uh, this was working well. I, I'm of two minds of this because I love it that at the very end we find out that every a lot of what we've been seeing that we ha- I haven't personally liked yep. is actually been building towards this moment, which. I feel this moment rectifies a lot of what I hadn't liked in the back okay. portion of this. Where I'm like, okay, none of this makes any sense. Oh, wait. Because to me, if we would have just come in here hot after the destruction of an entire race, and he's all of a sudden going to feel all this empathy for them, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh, wait. All of this stuff we've been laboring through is actually the buggers trying to communicate I like that okay. much better than what I had previously thought about it. I, I agree. You know I what agree. I'm saying? It makes the weird dreams almost make sense again. Yes, yeah. yes. It, the trouble for me maybe would be, or my issue maybe, is that um, there might be a lot of readers, maybe like Luke and others, who have checked out by this point. Like, yep. like, like you didn't carry people along on this journey for that. Yes, sir. It's a, it's yeah. a great moment. Yeah. Boy, you've got to work to get to that moment. Okay. Yeah. And so he goes through here. Well, and at I the, don't know. It's a moment, that's for sure. <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the end of all this, they had built this little place that resembled the end of the world in the mm-hmm. video game mm-hmm. where he finds a cocoon baby queen. A pupa. Right. Yep. Who's yeah. talking to him. What what I like is we Probably. before we get there too we find out that they had huts and fences with sharp ends pointed out meaning that they were under attack by something we have mills and slings to carry babies everything we've been told about them not having any kind of an empathetic society is not true yeah correct they have been caring for for their young and everything else I feel like again. This is analogous to any other warrior in where you yeah. dehumanize everybody. Exactly. And you're, oh, the, exactly. So, you're the soldier walking through the ruins of the village going, you know, they they had cribs and they had livestock. And they, you're seeing the ruins there's, of what you've just there's, done. There's there's nobody there's nobody there but just other soldiers. And then you walk by and realize you bomb the civilian town. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is you coming to grips with what you've just and wrought on another country. All the points you have made about the Vietnam War and all those things, bringing those up, it has really made me go back and think about it as I'm reading it. Because I, I mean, I read this as 13 year old, you know, right at that age where it was just one of those books that you you read through. And some of the things that we now as adults read through and go, ah, you know, that's, that's stupid. I'm sure as a 13 year old me, I was going, oh, all right. Because what is the hive mind but an analogy to communism? Yeah. Right, yeah. the idea that you are a collective working for the better good, and that you are going to. I'm say, sure that could have been written in here somewhere. <laughs> that they are. Sorry. That they are just bugs. You know that they are just they are just bugs working to try to build their little communist ant hill, yeah. and you know he has just been primed and trained and fought this war and annihilated them, and then he walks through and finds out that no, there's these nuances. It is not what I've been told. You know, Uh, just like the Vietnam soldier might have walked through a a village. And again, I am saying that only in terms of this book. That is not what the reality of the situation was. But I'm going with like kind of Hollywoodized, 
you know, or pop culture view of, of how my things might have gone down. Yeah. And so Ender, you know, picks up the pupa, puts it in his <laughs> pocket, and he's going to go find some place for this thing to hatch. Right. Um, he writes a book. Yes. And then he writes another book. This is coming fast. Like, just boom. He writes yeah. a book. He writes another book. He's kind of got a religion going almost. People are yes. following it as a religion. Yes. And so he, he talks about, and so he becomes this speaker for the dead where he talks about, where he starts talking about, you know, the hot, the aliens, the buggers, and how they, you know, there was a little history there. And he starts talking about the history. And then people start taking that and becoming um, eulogists. Yeah. Where. Well, yeah. <laughs> Where, uh, and I, I, was this in the intro, or where have I picked this up, that Orson Scott Card kind of got this from going to funerals and not liking how at funerals you talk about the great things people do, but there's not truth to it. Yes. Oh, and, yes. And so that he wanted, like, this idea of that you go and you, you represent the life of somebody as it was. Yes. You know, yeah. and that in some way is a better monument to their existing or their existence. I don't know. I feel like for me, in some ways, you've written yourself into a really difficult position where you had a 12 year old, right, commit genocide against an entire race. We, we might not, we wouldn't hold any any responsibility over him because he's been manipulated for all this. Yeah. But you kind of tack on this weird, I'm going to atone for that. And that's a difficult thing to do. So how do you, how does one atone for the genocide of a race? You take the last living thing and you bring it to another planet and then the book ends. Yeah. I, becoming a speaker of the dead. Uh, you eulogize. You, you, you write these books. I don't know that in the balances, the narrative balances uh, or moral balances, does that weigh out? I don't know. And who, who am I to say? I, what would you write here? I guess what would you put? To me, it didn't necessarily work out. And we can maybe go a little bit freeform into Speaker of the Dead without spoilers. The next book um, is all about Ender trying to atone yeah, for it, what he's done. I don't know that it ever works out. I don't know if you can write a way for this to work out. I, I don't know. I don't either, to be completely yeah. honest. And I have read through all of the Enders series, the you know four books after it, right? and the Bean series, things like that. And really, after the Speaker for the Dead, right. and even during Speaker for the Dead, he moves away from Ender. Ender is yes. no longer that main character yeah. And actually, Val and Peter come back. Yeah. I, it should be said, uh, both Paul and I have read Speaker uh, of the Dead. And did you finish it, Bob? I did. Okay. Um, and so um, it is a much different book. So for those listeners... Absolutely. For those listeners who have listened uh, or, or who have read uh, Ender's Game and are looking at... So, so maybe I should back up and say I am used to reading trilogies, duologies, mm-hmm. you know, everything else that tend to have the same feel or tonality to them. Oh. These do not. No. Not and I'm not all. saying that it's bad or not, but just be prepared for it. I I read the sequel, or I read Speaker for the Dead when I was a kid. I yeah. read Ender's Game, and then I went directly into Speakers for the, Speaker for the Dead. I hated it as a kid. Yeah. I went, and I read Speaker for the Dead and went, oh, no. Yeah. Have and you then, really read it? Yeah. Yes. And okay. as an adult, 
Yeah. I enjoyed it. It is a book it, for an adult. Yes. I, yes. That The only reason I went back was because a, a friend read Ender's Game in college and then Speaker for the Dead and was like, dude, you have to right. read it. You have to continue. And I okay. did. Right. And that, that is what brought me back into okay. Right. It. it is not a continuation. It doesn't feel... It is, but it's not of yeah. Ender's Game. Um, it is very much... It feels very hard sci-fi where we're going to take here... Uh, you know, like what does happens when a human culture uh, contacts or is making contact with a now a separate alien race? Not the buggers. Not the buggers. Okay. What happens there? There's a lot of stuff to do with the speaker of the dead idea. Um, it it to me uh, feels like more of an like let's sidestep and do like a hard sci-fi take on the same universe. Absolutely. Uh, so it it almost seems like yeah is. It, Boy, I don't even like if Ender's Game was like an anthology series where things are happening within the same universe, but they're kind of disparate, and maybe the same characters occasionally show up. That's how it feels. Ender's kind of tacked in there, here and there. I wouldn't say it's a bad read. You just need to be prepared for what it is. It's a it, different read. It it's is very a completely different. different read. I okay. would never, ever recommend a 13, 11, nope. 12 year old go from Ender's Game to that. I've had right. students that I've recommended Ender's Game to and then they say, you know, I right. should I get the sequel? No, right. don't. And for me, I don't think you can truly appreciate Ender's Game until uh, you're... Like, I don't... Ender's Game is not a young adult novel. I'm just going to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. You can read this as a 12-year-old and 13-year-old, uh, but unless you're really with it, you are not going to get the nuance of what Ender's Game, for me, at, at least to me, what it's yeah. about. Well, you know, and, and I feel that almost it's a, it'll speak to any time period, but I feel it's, for me personally, best understood through the lens of, of Cold War era politics. Yeah. Wait, As I feel why, what's why don't we, best. Why don't we pause your opinion on that as long as we're at the end of this Yeah, let's book. do it. Yeah. Why don't we go around the table, get everybody's recommendations. Yes. And final yes. thoughts for this book. Paul, we're going to start with you, my friend. I think I already know where you're going to go, but why don't you talk about it a little bit? Your final thoughts, and would you recommend the book? My thoughts on this book, I think a lot of listeners can hear the way I talk about it, things like that. This is one of the books that got me into reading. This is one of those books that got me to enjoy science fiction, and I think I came into it at, a, at an age where I could just suspend uh, belief in something. I could just accept whatever world he was giving me and going with it and ignore some of the other things that appeared that as an adult, going back, I will wholeheartedly admit having you guys talk about it made me kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But as a kid, I didn't care. I just read right through it. I moved right along. And it's one of those where... When I'm reading a book, I try to just go into that universe and try to see where that character we're following comes from. I don't try to always read a book from an adult perspective because I don't want to. If I'm reading a book, I don't want to be whatever I'm myself at that moment. I'm going to be reading that book. I'm going to be whatever that author wants me to be right. and try to move on. It's similar when uh, I'm working with a lot of people you always go with yes and you know how can I help you know all those type of things where it's that improv yes and you take whatever is given and you move on with it and you go in your own mind as to what you have to happen or what has to happen as you as most of the listeners definitely can tell I am going to recommend this book I have recommended this book to many people I 
no, my friend that was in the military academy read it and he loved it. Mm-hmm. And all of those things where it's, it's nice, honestly, to hear other people that might not have liked it as much. Where it's, because it gives me that other perspective. It makes it so it's not just the, we're all in the same agreement. We're going to go with it. It's, I get to hear some of the parts that I didn't think about. I never thought about the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. All of those things. So I absolutely will recommend this book to anyone from 13 up. I will say, I I say, you know, read it. If you feel that you can read this, go for it. Try it. Club, what about you? It's Ender's Game. It's a classic book. Uh, We nitpick. That's kind of what we do. That's kind of, you know, how we're supposed to, you know, that's why we do the podcast. Right, absolutely. Um, Would I recommend this to, you know, actually this is on my son's reading list um, for this summer. Uh, and he's going to be, he's 11, but he reads at a higher level. And so we're going to, I think the lessons about empathy here are really important. Mm. Probably a little bit more even for this generation coming up. <laughs> um, right. But I think w- you have to read it as that. You have to read it as the, the coming of age, the lessons of empathy, the lessons of how choices have consequences. And maybe just throw the age thing out the window. And suspend your belief enough or just say, forget it and make them older in your head. Um, that, like I said, it's Ender's Game. It's Orson Scott Card. It's a classic book. There's a reason why it's taught. There's a reason why it's used in a ton of different aspects within our Western culture. And it's, it is. It is that classic sci- sci- science fiction. And we're going to look at a lot of things from 40 years ago in 2018 and say, well, this didn't work or this didn't work. But again, look at the great things that came out of this. Look at the great predictions that he made um, Mm -hmm. with a lot of this, with a lot of the technology and really a lot of some of the different, you know, war games and some of the different things that are happening that we're using in this time period. So definite recommend. Luke, you're going the other way. Yes. Um... (laughs) So this book, uh, Ender's Game, um, I would prefer a, um, a rebranding, you know, uh, maybe not Ender's Game, maybe just Ender Does Stuff. Uh, I found this book to lack any sort of arc. Um, I liked the things that happened in it, but like I said in part one, if this wasn't, if I didn't take this in on an audiobook, okay, if I didn't listen to this as an audiobook, comma, and for this podcast, I would have never finished this book. These kids are too young. I, I am not one to just suspend disbelief to finish a book. This book has three awards across the top of it, and I expect a heck of a lot more <laughs> from a book with three awards across the top of it. It, 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 it there's, no, there's no sort of arc. There's no climax. And when this book should end, it just kind of keeps going on like I have no analogy for anything like this and when this book should end it just doesn't it just kind of babbles on into probably what builds up to be a good part of another book and from Paul what you're saying it sounds like this book built an amazing universe but this book should have just stayed as part of analog magazine Orson Scott Card should not have tried to stretch this out and just exaggerate and fluff what was an amazing part of the magazine. I do not recommend this. I would not recommend this for anybody. 
a recommended podcast listening to me <laughs> complain about it. <laughs> you're analyzing. You're yeah. not complaining. Yeah, yeah. You're you're critiquing. Critiquing yes. and analyzing. There it yes. is. Bob, how are you feeling about Ender's right. game? Well, I would uh, point out, first of all, that awards don't necessarily mean anything. There's a lot of Sundance Film Award recipients <laughs> <laughs> that are absolutely unwatchable. Um, There's a lot of <laughs> book award recipients that oh, are absolutely yeah, yeah. What, Even though I don't agree with you on this one. <laughs> Caldecott doesn't mean squat. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Um, <laughs> wow. But anyway, uh, for me, I guess I could sum it up as like Ender and his tune. Uh, you come into the battle room and you tell your boys, uh, you link arms, uh, the entrance or the, the enemy's gate is down. And so I come into the battle room, I come into this plot, the end of this book is down and I start plowing through and we're all locked arms. I'm getting hit from all sides. Uh, stuff is working. Stuff isn't. Things are getting frozen, falling off. And by the end, a couple of us make it through that doorway on the other end, yeah. thus winning the game. Um, and that that's how I kind of see this book is for me, there is a kernel that makes it through to the end that I really like on this book. Okay, I love, because I love stuff with the Cold War, I love what it is saying I feel about the of Vietnam era politics, our view of the government, uh, what the military structure can do to soldiers, all of that. Uh, I love what it is saying. And um, but like you said, Luke, when taking something from an analog magazine that is 36 pages long and having to stretch it out to a full blown novel, there are parts of this that are getting blasted off the sides of this and frozen that feel tacked on like the stuff with valentine and peter uh felt tacked on. i loved it at the beginning i thought it set up a great family dynamic and then it became preposterous to me um and some of the lack of a climax and i get that's not the thrust of this book um but for me all of those aside like you said club um we are here to nitpick and picnics we have. Um, but I'm not going to hate on the book. I, I do think, like you said, Klavichek, this is a classic. It does deserve its status as a classic. I, I think it it is a, a great book if you are... Again, when we read a podcast, you read a book and you purposely... I, I'm reading it looking for like, okay, does this line up with reality? What, do I, what am I really thinking about this? If I were to just curl up on the couch and read this with no podcast hanging over it... I would either enjoy it or not. I'm reading a Forgotten Realms book right now, right? I could pick nits with this book. <laughs> but I am, I am loving every moment of it and not letting any of that bog down my enjoyment. But because we're doing a podcast and writing notes, you know, that's just what we do. Um, You're looking for things to talk about. You are looking about, yeah. for things to talk about. And so, so uh, yeah, I have my issues and I have my reality problems with this. Uh, I would mildly recommend it. I am not over the moon for Ender's Game. In fact, so much so that uh, I will divulge I bought Ender's Game and then continued before having read it buying the next three sequels. Going, I am going to plow through this thing. We're doing Ender's Game. I am going to get ready. I'm going to read everything Ender's Game has ever done. I read this first one and then Speaker of the Dead. Man, screeching halt. I I was done 
with this series for a while. I'm not saying I won't return because there's part of me that goes, I must return and read the rest of these books. I was just going to say that you are such a completionist. Yeah. Yes, that, that'd be yes. I, I, I must read the rest of these. But Ender's Game, I am finding maybe the universe isn't quite my bag. I, I do, I do love it. But I would recommend the book. But it, I'm not over the moon of the book. So I'm a mild uh, recommend for for Ender's Game. Well, great. I mean, we we, we always have different, differing opinions on different stuff. Absolutely. We should all have differing opinions. I agree. Because hopefully that's making it more interesting for no. you folks Would you like there? to really no. listen to a love fest? Welcome, welcome to my hive mind. <laughs> I hate this book. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's what's valuable because, hey, I've got... Paul, this was one of your babies, oh, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, the next book we're doing is really nobody's baby, so we'll see what we go there with yeah, that. I just I heard about it on a commercial. Yeah, yeah, we're going we're going to Dragonlance after that, and then afterward we're coming to one of my babies. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. you were talking about some of the first books that you read yep. that really turns you on to reading. Um, I can think of no other series of books, and I know it sounds stupid, uh, but but the Timothy Zahn series, Star Wars series, was so influential as a kid. My cousins and friends and I, that's all we did was read those books and talk the minutia. We were dungeon and dweebing that for years. <laughs> um, so if there's something that I hold close, you, I get it. I get like having a book that enters into your into your blood yeah. and, and and you love it and you don't want to hear like I am not ready for anybody to say anything oh. against these books you oh. know what I'm saying and that's what I'm and I so I get it so if you're listening and you're like I hate when people like you're ticked because we are negative on Ender's Game I get it mm-hmm. I, I get I have books that I will be very irritated uh, that people will bring up negative things but you've got to open yourself up to be saying you know I've got to realize hey Timothy's on Star Wars are not going to be perfect. Absolutely. No. That's why I recommended this book. Well, that's not why yeah. I recommended it, but that's what I love about doing this with the podcast is, yeah, I still I still love this book. And it I speaks and yes. it speaks to Orson Scott Card yes. and it speaks to maybe not the university universality, Luke, yes, of his writing and the lessons that he was going for in I the agree. sci-fi. <laughs> but it speaks to his writing and it speaks to I think a lot of the things that he was trying to talk about right that we can have this discussion still 40 years later right yeah, and it, it's kind of funny because we were kind of even almost hemming and hawing like okay so should we put out uh you know a twitter that tags orson scott Carter or not because do we really want him to hear what we have to say about the book because mm. we're kind of you know, because we're being critical yeah. in, in some yeah. ways. Uh, you know, and whereas we didn't have that issue with Pierce Brown. We had some communication with him and everything. But that's because we were fanboys loving all over most aspects of that and book. You know, we did. Yeah, and the same thing and with we had uh, issues Margaret Weiss with and Tracy Hickman. We, we tweeted at them. We did. And I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, God, if they listen to it, boy, did we run those through the ringer. Yeah. But at the <laughs> same time, I see myself as a Dragonlance fan. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I right now yeah, have so. Dragonlance sitting, and not the ones we'll review, sitting on my shelf, ready. I'm going to do a couple extra books right. on the side, the Elven Trilogy my and the God. Dwarven Trilogy. Like, I see myself as a fan. I'm reading it. In my, But we are critical on this podcast because that's kind of what, I guess we've, I shouldn't say it's our job. That's what we've made our job. Well, that's of course. That's our, <laughs> that's our, that's our that's our hobby. Yeah, our hobby. That's our it's hobby. What we do for fun. We, we, if you're if you're a sponsor out there listening, we'd like it to be a, one of our jobs. If you want to start paying us for this, Absolutely. that would be phenomenal. We will look? hawk your product till there's no end if there's money in it. Do you, do you, have, do you have a box mattress you're looking to hawk? <laughs> Maybe some sort of like. 
boxed food service that we can cook right. at home. Uh, we're looking to up the audio quality slightly. We'd like all individual mics. So if there's any, like, say, lawyers or anything listening. Mm. No, it's not <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, you know Wait, wait, wait. We got, we got to think about the Canadian to American money transfer thing first. <laughs> um. yeah, hey, wait, wait till it's more in our favor. Um, at any rate, you know what? We, we had a lot of fun. Oh, love in that. space on these spaceships, but you know, I think but, we need to get to like eighteen nineteens. Yeah, next up, what are we li- what are we reviewing next? A darker shade of magic. Darker Ooh. shade of magic. So what? Yeah. See, I know nothing about this other than just looking at the ver- looking at the Kindle version. So how did we come upon this, Luke? What, I, why are we um, doing darker well, shade of magic? As as I had alluded to earlier, I'm a big fan of uh, the Geek and Sundry show. Critical Role. Wow, right I almost forgot the name of it because it's been so long since I watched it. Uh, right. I am a big fan though, um, and this was just this was an ad on there. Um, the way that they pitched it sounded great. I looked it up, read a little bit more about it. Sounded great. Um, I kind of missed the Harry Potter boat when I was younger because I didn't like to read. Yeah, uh, but I like to read now, and this kind of felt like more of a place for an adult to jump into a magical fantasy world. Right. Um, but at any yeah, you, we gotta. We're jumping back to about 1819. Yeah, V.E. V. E. Schwab, Schwab in, yes. in, in London, uh, right? With some of this, this, she sets up a cool idea of there being these, what, four different Londons? Yeah, like a now, parallel now, dimension. Let me ask you this. Is it, is, because I haven't looked, like I said, I've looked right. at nothing else but the title here. Is this something where it was written then, or it said? No, no, no. It was set. it was written a couple of years ago. Okay, yeah. thank yeah. you. That yeah. was yeah, that right, was right, right. that was my right, question. Right, right. And again, yeah. for and our listeners, oh, they're going back to the old stuff again. Yeah, we're not going back oh, to the old no, stuff. No, 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 no. No, this is a fair of a widely popular novel. I I got a little worried because I started looking into it. It is, like, it is not necessarily like what we've read before. Correct. This is slightly different than the, than the stuff that we've done before, um, uh, but a really awesome idea. Mm-hmm. You know. With these four Londons, that with through the use of blood, there's these people who can walk through the four Londons. Gray London is the London that we all know here on Earth. Yes. And then the rest of them, there's like red London and white London. Okay, and that's enough. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want you it's, to spoil yeah, anymore for me. Well, we want to hook the listeners. So if you, you know, if you don't, you know, you should go out there and and give it a read or or you know go see what it's about. We're going to be reviewing that all next month. So. Yes. But for the next one, we are going to have Neil in here. Yes, I am taking a step back again, and I will let Neil come in for the darker shade of magic. To be right. fair, you're still going to be downstairs. You're just not going to be in the studio. I, hey, <laughs> you you all have fun in this room while it's nice oh and sweaty. Oh, my God. I'm going to be in the basement where it's nice and cool. It'll be. I'm afraid right. that I'm dripping on the mic right now. So oh, we, we are all we, dripping. So by all yeah. means, folks, please... Hit us back up on Facebook. We enjoyed the feedback this time around with Ender's Game. That was yes. a blast. We want to be able to do more of that. Talk to us on Facebook. Right. Hey, yeah, if you're like me and you hate Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg for making money off of selling your private data, <laughs> I'm over there on Twitter running the Dungeons & Dweebs Twitter. Nice. Um, I'm not very active, but I'm trying to be. So talk right. to me and I'll tweet at you, I promise. Right. If, I, you, t- if you talk to us, we'll be more active. And I'm going <laughs> to put out a few more Ender's Game things out there in mm. terms of like questions and whatever. Respond to those. Even though we're doing Darker Shade of Magic next month, we will be answering any questions or responding to feedback about Ender's Game. So yeah, if absolutely. you listen to the last of this and you're saying, hey, I think, you know, I think you guys are out to lunch. Here's what I think about it. Yeah. Um, we will respond to that stuff, you know, the next show. 
Absolutely. All cool. right. Cool. Well, hey, you know, I've got just a couple of galactic credits left, and you know what? I gotta convert these to shillings, and the exchange rate sucks, so I got the tip. Oh, thanks, hey, man. hey, Val, Val, come over here, Valentine, honey. Ah, oh, I cut my Hold wrist. Hold the wrist I'll find get it. I cut my wrist on the table. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons and Dweebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, dungeonsanddweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at dungeonsanddweebspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons and Dweebs on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find all those links at dungeonsanddweebs.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons and Dweebs is Fatal Fight by Royalty Free Kings and can be found at their website, royaltyfreekings.com. Dungeons and Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert media production. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. And no part of the show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the expressed written permission of Tim Gilbert Media. Okay. According to Wikipedia, which I just pulled up now. No, that's true. No, it is true. <laughs> uh, seriously, you didn't know that? No, I didn't yeah. know that. Really? It's straight Latin, that. bro. I won't... I know. <laughs> I don't know Wait, Latin. You mean you don't study Latin <laughs> on, your spare, on your spare time? Huh, English major <laughs> social homie, studies. Homie, that's Latin. That's Latin. None of you people said it. You didn't know you're going right, right now.